Go for it. Go for it. Okay. All right. Hello again, everybody. Uh, we are back. Happy New Year, Chad. Did yeah. you miss us? Happy New Year. Um, it's been an interesting uh, start to the year. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, uh, we're we're at part nine of this series. If you can believe that, I mean, I kind of can't, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right. It's, no, it's, it's a lot of hours, right? <laughs> A lot of hours, yeah. Um, a little while back, I listened to like our part eight. Uh, well, no, I think it was part seven. Yeah, I was listening to part seven, and it's just, yeah, like <laughs> that was like four hours, and you know, the fun tangents. We seem to always go on a Christopher Nolan tangent. I yes. believe we'll go on another one today. I think that's the common denominator uh, yeah. of this entire podcast is just like, how does it relate to Christopher Nolan? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some kind of Nolan tangent, but it, yeah. but it ends up There's a happening. lot of stuff there. To talk about. And and if you want to kick off this uh, top uh, top. Uh, 20 to 11, I guess. Uh, we can talk immediately about Christopher Nolan because I rewatched Tenet finally. Yeah. Uh, the, the 4K Blu ray that I paid $40 for. <laughs> um, I, I think we'll have to, like, I think we should do a whole thing on Tenet. I don't want to. <laughs> I feel like I've talked so fucking much about it. Yeah, I could probably piece together stuff from, uh, I think we've covered. I, right, it a you, lot. Yeah, if you this. like edit all of the different times we talked about fucking Tenet, we probably have. It would probably be forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But stuff. yeah, uh, there's, I was just being, I was just joking. But yeah, that was. It's I, not I, gonna be on your list. Didn't jump up uh, to your top. Tenet, it didn't. One. Yeah, it didn't like enter at number eleven. No, it didn't. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so we uh, we're gonna be covering yeah twenty to number eleven in this series, and yeah, this is. This is almost it. We're like, these are these are like the ones, these are the films that you really, really love that really have something that just like keeps you coming back, you know? Yeah, these are the films that uh, are going to make everybody judge me. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. And also the, the disclaimer is the top 100 is our top 100s. We're not telling you these are the greatest films ever made. We have some of the greatest films ever made on our lists, but they're highly, highly tailored and personal lists. My list in particular... I would say is more of like a collage. It's more of like a painting of all of the different things that I've ever loved about films in general. Um, Cause there's so many things that I'm missing here. Cause I like, I'm kind of hyperbolic about things and I like to say, I love this. I love it. Like why isn't total recall on my top 100? God. But then it's like, you can only pick. So you can only have so I'm trying much. to represent all the different things. So mm-hmm. yeah, these are, you know, pretty fun, uh, chilled out lists, but we are almost there. Yeah. Um, Cool. So yeah, why don't we start off? So uh, Lucian, okay. what is your number twenty? Coming in at coming in hot at number twenty is I I think I prefaced this a while ago when um, I don't remember whatever the first Brian De Palma movie was that we talked about. And I was like, he is going to come back on this list and he's gonna he's gonna be chilling on here for a while. Uh, and that's another that's one of the tangents that I tend to go off on a lot is like Brian De Palma and like the movie Brats of the seventies. Uh, so my number twenty is Brian De Palma's Carlitos Way. Uh, which is by his own admission, the best movie he's ever made. So in his opinion, uh, he said he, um, I don't know if you saw that documentary that, uh, Noah Baumbach did on Brian De Palma. Uh, he, they interviewed De Palma. This was like, like five years ago, I want to say. And they, they went through his entire filmography, which as a fan, as somebody who has sat through that entire filmography, it's like one of the greatest documentaries. Uh, and by the time they got to Carlito's way, he was just like, as an epic 
And as a story and like using all of the techniques that he'd ever used making a film, he said, like, I can't possibly make a better film than this. Like, I cannot stretch myself to just for me to do like a better film than this. I can't do it. So like I have to do something else, basically. And that's when he made Mission Impossible. He was just like, well, okay, fucking, we'll do a spy movie. Well, whatever, you know, um, or rather Tom Cruise, you know, went to him. But yeah. Uh, so Carlito's way is kind of like in, in my head, in my head canon, like the bookend of like the classic De Palma. And it's also in my head canon and in my opinion, his like Goodfellas and his like casino, basically. I mean, if Scarface is his Goodfellas, certainly Carlito's way is his casino. We'll put it that way because um, it's basically the same shit. It's like Casino is just like De Niro and uh, Pesci and like, I ah, will throw Sharon Stone in there, whatever. She's hot at the moment and we'll just do it again and we'll make it about casinos. This is basically Scarface. We'll get Al in there. We'll get him to scream shit. There's this great, awesome scene in the beginning of the movie where he's like goes to this bar and takes out these gangsters and he's like holed up in the bathroom. And this is like very like oh, purple, yeah. blue tinted, like noir is shot of him with a gun. And he's just like, uh, you think you're big time? You're going to fucking die big time. <laughs> it's gone. Is it's that gone. the um the I'm reloaded or was that later in the film? Uh, that is later in the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but it has last the the impact of it lasted. And I'm I mean, reloaded. It's, it's, okay, <laughs> I'm reloaded. <laughs> so, so um, Jay Z sampled that in a, one of his one of his songs. I'm not surprised. Which makes sense, right? Like, yeah. like it's oh. like if you love Scarface, you gotta love. Well we, way. well, we talked about this, like, um, and I keep talking about Scarface when I talk about, you know, fucking. So there's a couple of things I like, right? There's Brian De Palma, Al Pacino and Scarface, uh, mm-hmm. you know, foreshadowing. But um, like they should they, when that movie came out, they were it was like super denigrated and they were like Scarface is is garbage and it's, you know, whatever. And then it comes up in all of the rap songs, right? Yeah. Like you said, like Tony Montana becomes this like symbol mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden in the 20, like, uh, you know, late nineties, yeah. early two thousands. So yeah, of course. So anyways, I feel like this is the kind of stepchild of that. Like Scarface is like this mythic status. And I feel like I have a suspicion that not enough people have seen Carlito's way because it is every bit as good. Uh, it it's, is, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a different take, but it's got like, it's, mm-hmm. It's got. A, I mean, it's it's hard not to say it's the same movie because it's got Al Pacino in it playing a gangster, uh, and except in this case, he's like running. He's running a club, so there's a lot of club scenes that are similar to the Copa scenes, or not the Copa. That's a different movie. Uh, similar to the whatever the club was in Scarface. Club I, was, yeah. I forget at the time. Yeah. Um, so it's like aesthetically, maybe it's got a lot of the same things, but I think what makes this different is that. Um, it feels more like a like a again like a Goodfellas or something. Uh, it's about this guy. He's trying to get out of the life, and he mm-hmm. keeps getting pulled into it. Uh, there's a great bit parts. I mean, the bit parts in this movie are incredible. Benny Bronco from the Bronx. Oh pra- my played god! By John love, love Benny Bronco from the Bronx. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, Vigo Mortensen in a wheelchair. Dude, uh, Vigo Vigo <laughs> is in this movie for what? Like. Five minutes, ten minutes. He makes minutes? a he makes a huge impact in this movie. He's though. like he's like and like that. His part is like really resonates. It's there was a South, there was a South Park episode where they mm-hmm. <laughs> where they did a spoof of that. But that dude, he kills that part. Yeah, yeah. I oh what my the god. Guy's name is, but he I, for, I forget what his name is too. Uh, hold on, I can probably get it. Uh, 
Lalin. Laline, yeah. Laline. Laline. Who's the, who's the FBI inf- informant or whatever, and he's wearing yeah. a wire. Yeah, and, and and he, like, and just Al Pacino just fucking berates him and just, like, kicks his wheelchair, and he just, like, gets mad at him and stuff. Yeah. It's very, yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. So and yeah, and he's just like, I got no legs, man. I got- <laughs> Something like that. Like, I so can't hope. I can't do nothing, man. So that's what I love about this movie, and that's what I love about Brian De Palma movies in general, or or particularly his crime movies, is that everybody is overacting one hundred percent of the time. Sean Penn in this movie is like the cocaine addicted lawyer. Right. And he's just like hanging out with all these girls and he's doing coke in the bathroom and he's just like fucking everything. Um, And then, of course, he ends up being paranoid for video game fans. He is uh, granted a lot of things are inspirations, but specifically Scarface and Carlito's way is like basically Grand Theft Auto Vice City. So we have that the the lawyer character in that game is ripped straight from this movie. Uh, I believe Sean Penn was nominated for this film, if I remember correctly. Um Maybe not. Maybe it was maybe not for an Oscar, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's there's too much to say about Carlito's way. It's just it's a gangster epic done by like just one of the guys basically who who does the gangster epics. Uh, it feels it's a little more subdued than Scarface. It's not as like just purely just blowing puffs of it cocaine is- in your face, but it has those moments and it's got those, like we talked about those performances. They're just like unhinged and all of these guys in these bit parts, like end up being huge, huge actors, right? Yes. Huge, almost a listers. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, in, it, it's, it's a sight to behold, I think. Um, and I love it. I love it for it's, you know, it's again, it's a nineties movie. It's a crime movie. Uh, and I can't not love it. So Coming in at number 20, Carlito's Way. Yeah. Um, our guy, James Rebhorn, he's in this movie too. Yes. Yes, he's he is. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So we were talking about, we're going to do an episode after our top 100, <clears throat> uh, potentially, where we are basically going to crunch the numbers and get some statistics out and just to see, like, just interesting facts that pop out at us. Like, from what I can tell already, my list is, like, mostly 90s neo-noirs and thrillers and stuff like that. And I didn't expect that to be the case when I started. I expected to have more classic films or more maybe uh, 70s films or whatever. And it just ended up being a bunch of like gritty 90s crime movies. Um, But that's just what it is. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the people that keep coming up in our movies. And James Redhorn is one of those guys. He's just if you look him up and you see his face, he's just. Yeah, you know, every movie. Yeah, he's just especially in the 90s. Like, man, he's he was everywhere. Yeah, he just and there's <clears throat> like in the beginning of it, like I kept I feel like every single week I was just like kept bringing up Jennifer Jason Lee. I'm just like, well, she's in this movie, too. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of interesting factoids like that uh, as we keep going. But yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing this movie in like the 2000s on television uh, and just mm-hmm. loving it. Wow. Yeah. Um, again, this was like back in the day when you had like HBO had 30 channel HBO East, mm-hmm. HBO West, mm-hmm. HBO mm-hmm. fucking HBO. Yeah. Western HBO thriller HBO yeah, yeah. HBO I saw one of those romance yeah romance yeah 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 it just had everything and then you had Showtime too and it, it was the same thing so yeah I saw it on like one of those channels and just remember loving it um, mm. one of the scenes I really love there's a scene where they're going to do I don't know it's like a drug deal or something and then Carlito knows it's a setup and so mm-hmm. he's like okay it's a setup and there's like four or five of them and there's basically me and this other dumbass teenager. So yeah. how can I oh, get yeah, out of this? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and so then he's like, "Oh man, I got this! I got this trick! You'll like this is the greatest pool trick of all time!" <laughs> because this guy to put right. a fucking a fucking thing right in front of his face, and then he basically uh, takes out like three or four guys, gets a gun, shoots a bunch of them. His friend gets killed. Who's yeah, a fucking idiot. Who's another guy who? It was became, uh, Louis, like, Louis Guzman. Yeah, yeah, Louis Guzman, and yeah. he's like, "Hey man, look in, look in here, man. There's yep. some, there's something down there for you." The- <laughs> it's like I don't see nothing, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, man, I'm like the guy, dude. And the way he shot that scene is so brilliant because you know, um, someone else may have just like you know thrown a bunch of shit to the wall. He does yeah. it very Hitchcockian, right? So very Hitchcockian. Well, Right. And the thing that I, I appreciate about that's what separates, I think, a lot of these because we could talk about a lot of just uh, Carlito's way knockoffs and a lot of just other movies like uh, Donnie Brasco is a movie that like a lot of people really love and talk about from, you know, a mob movie from the 90s. But I think what separates some of these like ones made by some of these old school directors by all the other ones is the again, the approach and the shot choices, because yeah. if you watch every other movie made in the 90s, it's like. 90 it's like 50 percent like dutch angles and like camera movements and like weird editing just for the sake of it because they the could mtv like, yeah. yeah and like when you have a director like this who has like a very steady hand basically and he like knows and again and we've talked about this uh with uh, de palma and we'll talk about it again his entire purpose like his his mission statement is just i'm gonna do hitchcock but like schlock like I'm gonna do Hitchcock, but like all of the naughty bits, basically, yeah. was like his entire thing. Yeah, I'm gonna so, do yeah. Hitchcock, and instead of like, oh, the guy's looking, and then he's masturbating. Instead of the mystery, I'm just gonna show you the dick, basically. Yeah, but yeah, that that scene is so brilliant because like we all like at a certain point we get the subtext. Okay, something bad is gonna, especially when the guy's like, hey man, look at the that, you know, and yeah. we're like, okay, this is fucking bad, but we don't know how he's gonna get out of it, and so we're invested in that scene because we're like, okay. How's he going to get out of this thing? And so then we see the guy creeping in the other door and then he's, mm-hmm. and then he does this great shot where it's, it's basically in slow motion where the guy very, again, it's very Hitchcock in the gut. We see the reflection in this other dude's like sunglasses yes. of mm-hmm. a guy coming with a knife. Yeah. And then Carlito makes his movie, starts killing people and taking them out. It's like, um, yeah, it's great. It's, it's brilliant directing. Yeah, and he does this a lot. It's a lot like that scene in The Untouchables where they're at the, uh, like, whatever, the Union Station or whatever, and uh, with the, the the guys are coming up the stairs to, like, kill Kevin Costner or whatever, and then there's the woman with the baby stroller, and obviously he yeah. rips that right out of Potemkin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, yes, the way that, the way that, like, he orchestrates the thing with, like, the slow-mo shots and the overhead shot of like the stroller going down the thing and the, the guy shooting each other in slow motion. I mean, they're again, like, yeah, you're right. Like there are just some very smart directorial choices yeah. that there's other kind of gutter tier movies like this, but there's nothing quite like something done by like a master. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say Penelope Ann Miller is like, unbelievable in this fucking movie she's yeah. so hot she's yeah so and there's there's like some people i feel like sean young is like this too like they have this moment yeah where they're just like unbelievably like they just, just they're just in it yeah, yeah they're just in it they're gorgeous they're in every movie for like a period of like five years she was also disappear. i think she was in the only uh, the other movie that i really liked her in uh what was that yeah she was in the shadow She's like mm. really, she's like really good in the shadow, uh, where she plays this kind of basic, basically almost like a femme fatale ish type. Because that movie is sort of 
trying to be a, I guess, 30s or 40s kind of crime thing. Yeah. And so there's a lot of those kind of motifs, a lot of uh, noir stuff. So are you telling me it's a it's a movie made in the mid 90s that's a neo-noir thriller? Pretty, yeah. It, it, it mixed in with some like kind of unfortunately baddish 90s stuff. Like, you know, when you're doing when you're doing a superhero movie in the 90s, people basically people don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> no, no, no. Is, no. The, is it? <laughs> but fun fact that that's that's one of the guys. Uh, the guy who did that movie, I believe, ended up making one of the Resident Evil movies. I remember looking that up. So like he stuck to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he stuck to it. That, but that movie, that movie's got some some stuff he did in that movie. Anyway, so it, Carlito's way is brilliant. It's so yeah. brilliant. There's so many. There's so many. Like like another scene that I really love is like again the Benny Blanco stuff. Benny Blanco keeps showing up, and then there's a scene where like he just dresses him down. He's like, dude, who the fuck are you? Like yeah, I was exactly. with made people. Exactly. Like you, I was. You, you're a fucking purse snatcher. Go go steal some grandma's mm-hmm. fucking purse, mm-hmm. or go on the subway and robs it. Like I'm not. I, I'm not. You're beneath me. <laughs> and it's 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 satisfying to see Al Pacino in a role where he doesn't have to like make his way up the ladder. Or he doesn't have to start somewhere. He starts at the top of his game and he is respected and everything. And he kind of creates his own downfall. I mean, he's always this fucking guy always plays like tragic characters. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and also I'm glad you brought up the Penelope Ann Miller thing, because when I was over for New Year's or whatever, like my mom had some of her business friends over. And uh, they were asking me like, "Oh, you like movie? You know, the, the annoying like, oh, how's L.A.? Oh, you, you like movies? And, <laughs> how's uh, L.A.? Do, yeah, it's a fucking, it's, it's a fucking a, the apocalypse. What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> you think people live in L.A. because they like, oh, I fucking right. love, uh, I love really... the traffic and I love the fucking smog and I hate, I love that you know when I go to downtown L.A. like someone's gonna cough on me and I'm gonna the corner die. of Sunset and Melrose. I just love being there. Uh, no. <laughs> No, but uh, they were like, yeah, so who's your favorite actor? And I was instantly, I was like, Al Pacino. And they're like, who's your favorite actress? And I was like, I can't, I don't know. Because here's what I had, I have this bone to pick. And it's not my bone to pick with Hollywood. It's every, everybody's been figuring it out over the last couple of years. Uh, actresses like this, like Pen- Penelope Ann Miller or Sean Young or fucking whoever, Virginia Madsen, you pick one. Uh, anybody who was great at any given point in time in the 80s or 90s or 70s or 60s or whatever, unless you are, you know, Catherine Hepburn or Elizabeth Taylor and you go down in legend, the rest of your career turns out to be moms or grandmas or God forbid you end up doing like a lifetime original movie or whatever. I feel like was it like Ellen Burstyn is like finally like she she just keeps getting the mom roles basically and that's great because she gets like important mom roles but there it's just not like we can like Al Pacino gets the Irishman and he can he can do his thing and he can be like you're late so he can still do his thing but like what we won't get like a badass you know scene with like one of these other legendary uh yeah. actresses so i don't know what i'm trying to say is that like yes it does annoy me that we can talk they about just don't get their career in this has moment to be- this a moment it's yeah sucks. and we can't say like oh she was so great in that thing that came out five years ago because like a lot of the times it just doesn't happen they just end up doing yeah. like shitty movies i feel like the only ones that really like the british like the dames basically the day they okay, sure, yeah. they're like judy dench and, and helen Mirren and <laughs> helen yeah. Mir- yeah they're allowed to like age and then still get parts 
Helen Mirren is a great example because she started out doing fucking garbage, just gutter tier trash in the 60s. Shit that I like, like Caligula, right? Yeah. Just utter sexy stuff. (laughs) Just B B tier shit. Like there's another movie I like, uh, Hussy, where she plays a prostitute. I mean, it's fucking just funny, dumb, noir, like near noir shit. But then she gets to keep that status and like elevate. And I, I want to see, I would like to see that with a lot more actresses. I mean, I think it's happening now. Like I think Charlize Theron isn't getting going anywhere. Kate Blanchett yeah, isn't going anywhere. anywhere. Like there's a couple of those, but like for a lot of these actresses in the seventies, eighties, nineties, they kind of have their moment and then they disappear. A lot of, so I, I, I saw recently. So Cameron Diaz, uh, retired oh, yeah. from acting. Yeah. She, she said, fucking, I'm out. <laughs> um, I don't know if she would ever be in those categories, but I mean, she was huge. Her, her, yeah. And her, and not only in her body of work is like, if you keep digging in, it's like super diverse. It's, it's like way more yeah. diverse than you would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about way earlier, she's in um, being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's in some good stuff, but I think the other thing too, is like, you know, again, if you're her and you have like 7 million followers on Instagram and you can mine that for yeah. like, money why would i deal with hollywood when i can well she she can do that she can absolutely do that but i'm i'm thinking more of like the like the elizabeth shoes like why isn't i mean she's still in things but she's in like the death wish remake with bruce willis and and things like that which is great because again that's kind of my stomping grounds but like uh i don't i don't see why we wouldn't just put elizabeth shoe in like more big movies i don't know yeah just i don't know man about. it's it's a it's a tragedy it's it's yeah. like but that's you know that's the hollywood machine they basically sort of commodify you and if you're, if you're yes. a woman it's like even worse because it's basically oh, it's like flavor well, of the month yeah exactly it's flavor of the month and then we're just gonna well there's and there's... i think it's changing i think it's changing because they have a lot more like uh like someone like margot roby is a, yeah. like a perfect example of somebody who would have absolutely just fucking shined and burned in like the eighties or nineties. Right. Uh, but she has now because of the, the moment that we're in, she has a lot more say she has like a superhero franchise. She can talk directly to Warner brothers about shit or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's played her hand well. Uh, but that is somebody that like comes on the scene and is just like out of this world, kind of like, Whoa, who is this new talent, fucking gorgeous actress, whatever. And then just kind of disappears after a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that's Hollywood for you, man. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's a hell of a thing. It's it's crazy, but that's that's how these dream factory gets made, you know. Yeah, just, and it's just... uh, it is one hundred percent a dream factory. Uh, it's 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 all bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but like exact people like Penelope Ann Miller. It's just you see her in this movie, you're like wow right that's it's just what, like exact, that's what i'm talking about yeah wow and it's just yeah. like where it's like give me more of this and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. also and it also has to do with like hollywood especially you know when you're at that level they punish you like unless you're gr- grandfathered in like al pacino and like you are just you're the guy from the godfather you get to make a Jack and Jill and you get to make a Jiggly. But uh, for a lot yeah. of these, for a lot of these yeah. people who come in. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing that always fucking bothers me to this day is that they'll get a guy like an Al Pacino or a, in this example, let's say a Ben Affleck, that uh, example I'm going to bring up and they just give him whatever fucking like young, hot flavor of the month actress to be their like wife or their significant other. Like I'm thinking specifically of the way back. Like, did they have to give him, 
like the 30 year old Janina Gavin as his wife? Like, did they have to do that? Okay, cool. <laughs> no, they did it, but they do, right? They, yeah, they, it's they so do. annoying to me. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, can we not maybe like, I don't know, whatever. It, it's not important, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it is and it isn't not for this discussion. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. So my number 20, uh, this is a film that for me, it's risen a lot uh, over the last couple of years. I think we've talked about it <clears throat> a bit in the past uh, couple episodes. So mine is it's Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. Um yeah, so Lawrence of Arabia. So yeah, I guess I'll I'll talk about my experience watching this. So the first it's time I saw experience, it, right? Yeah, the first time I ever saw it was probably like two thousand, probably six or seven or something like that. Um, and I saw it on like a DVD that I got from Netflix. Shout uh, out to Netflix. It, yeah, when they shipped you DVDs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in those red envelopes. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was probably like in two discs ironically because like it's not like it made the quality better <laughs> yeah but ba- basically it did not look great and it's like oh uh, okay this is like was right. it widescreen at least oh dude i don't know okay. it's been so long do you remember that do you remember that period where dvds were full screen and widescreen edition do you remember that at all no okay no. that's a thing that I happened cared enough but but yeah that's okay. that's Crazy. even dude even as like a as a fucking teenager or like a 12 year old when i went to the the uh, hollywood video or whatever blockbuster whatever we had uh there's a full screen version of a movie and a widescreen version and i've always i was just like as a kid i was like what the fuck is full screen and then you realize it's like the four by three pan and scan letterbox version or yeah yeah so anyways uh they would do that though so if you happen to see Lawrence of Arabia in like a four by three, I pity you. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's just not the way it was meant to be seen. Um, and I, I've seen it, you know, I kept watching it and watching it. And then finally, I recently watched like a 4K version of it. And to me, like just just seeing the 4K versus the Blu-ray, like there's, it's so much more detail that you get mm-hmm. in seeing what the film is and it's just it it really was like a revelation for me i was like whoa this is it this is what this film is this is why this film is so great this is what you can get basically mostly only if you saw like the 60 millimeter print yeah it's as close it's 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 not as close but it's it's much closer than we've ever been before it's much closer than we've ever been to like actually seeing that experience replicated on your you know 40 50 inch 4k television mm-hmm. um and it's a it's amazing it's amazing uh this yeah they they did a they did a new restoration of it and it has a new soundtrack and it's in 4k it is fucking unbelievably yeah. gorgeous yeah yeah, yeah. It is and it banging. really it really like all of that put together really makes you kind of under because there's stuff that you're always going to get like that 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 match cut where he like blows out the mm-hmm. the, the thing and then it it's like the the, the, the sun desert. Yeah. The desert and the sun rising. That's just pure cinema. Yeah, that's it's so. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. That's just so. Like anyone can get how that makes sense, and it makes you feel something. And you're like, holy fuck, this is epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like when you watch the 4K and you see these these scenes of uh, Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole just like sitting yeah. together. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Um, it's just it's like whoa, I'm transfer back to yeah. 1962 mm-hmm. and it just feels palpable and yeah this film uh, is really 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 this film is epic this film is the definition of epic 
of an epic film. I mean, just like what this film covers, all the story, like the way, and the, it's a really kind of interesting film too, because, you know, the, the Lawrence character is, he's, he's really kind of interesting because he goes through a lot of different sort of things in this adventure. Um, and at the end, we're kind of left like it, the ending, because we know that he's going to die in this motorcycle right. accident. And then we meet all these people who were going to come and see, come into his life, like the different people that he was serving under, the um, the guy who is like the reporter, the American reporter, who's going to show up and see his adventures. Um, but at the end of the film, we're kind of left with him. He basically kind of fails at his grand mission, which is to like sort of help the Arab people empower themselves. Right. But he kind of, there's all these parts where he kind of, he's, he's, he becomes really grandiose and he's, he's like, thinks he's, he almost thinks he's like invulnerable or he's, he's like a God. Like there's this crazy subplot where he just goes to, I forget where, but then he gets captured by uh, some French people and then they beat him and some other shit's yeah. implied that they do to him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This yeah, movie's a and, fucking odyssey, dude. And 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 yeah, and then again at the end we're left and he's just like basically retiring from military service and all the power brokers are taking what he did and they're divvying up the power and he's left not really satisfied. And it leaves us kind of in a almost melancholy kind of way at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. there's this one great shot where he like he's they're driving in a car and then they see this guy, he sees this guy on like a on like a camel and he's like oh is that my friend is that omar sharif and he looks back but it's not and he's just like oh and he just yeah. keeps going and that's the end of the movie <laughs> it's like a, it's like a reverse shawshank <laughs> yeah 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 it's like my friend's not there and i'm just gonna retire yeah. and that's it um mm -hmm. it, it's yeah there's just so many things like that are just you know like seeing them crash that fucking train uh, oh my god is, yeah. is like it's like whoa dude that that's what i'm here for and that's mm -hmm. like I, right at the beginning of the second part mm -hmm. as like the American journalist is trying to find him. And then we get this cool shot of like the train. It's like a POV shot of, on the train. And then we see an explosion and we see this train just flip off. And then just like this great shot of like, you see the line of soldiers and they just like attack. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Like this film is just so epic. So, so, so epic. And yeah, one of the great performances, one of the great film characters. This, oh, Lawrence of course yeah. yeah we talked a bit about like some of these epic movies that they were making in the like late 50s early 60s you know the ones like they were shot on the, the biggest film stock they could find and stuff and this movie for me was lumped together so my family uh you know they had those like tapes that they were getting from like uh germany or wherever uh at the time because it was in romania they, they weren't allowed to like watch anything basically but my grandpa had a vcr or whatever they had there was like a tape trading thing and my family was super into these epics these like old hollywood epics uh it wasn't even <clears throat> popular at the time they would have been into like the seven like the 80s stuff like uh and like vi music videos and things were being traded but i remember like being a kid going through my grandpa's stash of these like fucking communist bootleg tapes and then I went through a phase where like I uh, it was like Ben Hur and this movie and Dr. Zhivago and like a couple of the other ones, like the yeah, really Dr. big Zhivago. ones. And uh, 
I didn't understand a goddamn thing of what was going on most of the time, but I just remember being so enraptured in it, even on like a bad like VHS copy. I just remember being like, like you said, like there's just something so palpable and cinematic about the scale of these things and the stuff that they, the, the way that they would just compose a frame and just show you the biggest shit they could possibly show you. Uh, it was just like a really, I mean, whatever. This was like David Lean's whole thing was yes. just making the epic, guest of epics he could possibly make and mm-hmm. this was like cleopatra was a fucking movie that got made right yeah uh, in the 50s so like hollywood blew its load but um yeah what a what a time what a what a crazy movie uh, yeah I, I really like really 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 come to appreciate this film more this is definitely i always knew like i remember like at some point i realized okay i really like these kind of movies mm-hmm. um and i knew that at some point i was going to come around to this movie it's just a matter of when gotcha you know so, like fully <laughs> because- kind of appreciate it yeah, yeah, because, like, I remember at the time just being, like, there were some things that always kind of stuck out to me. Like, there's this great scene where, um, you know, they just do all this stuff in the desert, this photography that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, man. Uh, but there's a scene where, um, so, <clears throat> they're all going on this long um, trek to, they're trying to basically cross the desert so they can do a surprise attack. And they're riding day and night. And so then uh, they wake up in the morning and they're like, oh, hey, where's this guy? Oh, the guy, he probably fell asleep and then <laughs> fell off his camel. So he's dead. Yeah. And Lawrence is like, no, I got to save him. He's like, dude, you're going to die. Don't save yeah, him. Yeah, and he yeah, does yeah. it anyway. So he saves this guy. Well, actually, it's two people, actually. He saves two people. It's his servant um, and this other guy. <clears throat> so he saves both of them. Oh, and that that scene is really well done, too. Like, the way that he is able to make you feel the heat of the yeah, desert. Yeah, that's a big in this, thing. In this, it's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so then he saves him. But then later on, the guy, you know, again, it's some tribal blood feud. The guy who he saved has a blood feud with someone else. And then he murdered somebody. And so they're they're just about to, to do what he's trying to get them to do, do the surprise attack. But right before the surprise attack, this guy murders somebody. And so then the only way for him to keep the peace is to kill the guy he saved. So he does it. He kills him. And then on top of that, to make it even better, he says, I, I kind of liked it. I kind of like doing murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Such a great scene. Uh, and then there's this other, the other scene too was like when one of his, uh, one of his servants gets sucked into the, uh, what's that? The, uh, the sand pit or whatever, the quicksand. Mm-hmm. Oh, the quicksand. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets sucked in there, yeah, that's, that's really. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it just—it's like all the different adventure, or like not adventure, tropes, but it's yeah. like, it, it not tropes necessarily. It's just like one of those movies that is just like it takes you through like an odyssey, basically, like an entire journey. Uh, yeah, and you know, like we we know kind of like where like we end up in what we start somewhere, we end somewhere, but then like the journey in the middle yeah, is like journey. all of the different set pieces and stuff mm-hmm. is like yeah, that that seems at the ahead of the- its time. At the end of the second, at the end of the first half where, so yeah, so his friend, he sees the servant die. The guy gets sucked into the quicksand. They can't save him. So him and his other servant, they're just aimless, basically aimlessly walking through the desert. And then they come to this like bombed out place. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, it's just bombed out. And they're just like, they're just, they're done. You can tell they're done. And then it has this brilliant shot where they're just like, they're walking, they're walking, they walk through this bombed out place. And then you see like a, a a ship like an actual ship going but it's like it's 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 behind a sand dune so you see the mm-hmm. sand dune and then you see a ship it's like the fuck 
<laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. he gets to the top of the sand dune and they're they've made it they're at the, mm-hmm. basically i don't know sinai or something like that yeah yeah and they're close to cairo um and they're like holy shit mr lotus we made it or whatever um and then like when he actually comes back to the it's it's the the officer's lounge is like basically where the movie starts and he's wearing all the like arab kind of garb yeah, yeah 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 and he's totally different he's totally different he never fit in he never fit in like the opening scene basically tells us this guy doesn't fit in um but this really kind of when he comes back that shows who he really is at that point um he is someone who is meant to be in this other world and he's the only one who could really approach these other people because he he's just a he, He's just the guy to do it. He's just a yeah. weirdo. He has a love for them, and he yeah. he has a, yeah. he, he has a sort of this romantic thing about what what they can accomplish. Um, yeah, a lot can be said about this movie. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's like, yeah, I'm sure there's entire fucking books about this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I, surprisingly, not as many as I think that there probably should be. I feel, yeah. I mean, I feel like certainly when I think about these types of epics, this is kind of the one that I. This is kind of the one that I always think about first. Uh, like I know there's a lot of other ones, like uh, some of the ones I mentioned, but I think that like this is at the the my the forefront of my mind. I think this is kind of like I don't know if it's because it just feels like the most modern in the way that it's shot and everything, but like it just it's the one that sticks out to me the most for sure. Cool. Yeah. So that's my number twenty. Once we're ready. Damn. We're we're going we're going strong. Hey, yeah. you know what time it is? It's time to talk about Chris Nolan. Uh, yeah. Num- number nineteen, The Dark Knight. Cool. When when this yeah. list started, when when I was thinking about, so I've had, and I'll say this now, and I'll probably reiterate it later. I've always had like, if you asked me five years ago to like do this, it would have been a totally different thing. But I had like five five to ten movies that like I knew for a fact are in the top ten, uh, and I had my top five pretty much figured out, and nothing moved like ever until like today <laughs> when I finalized it yeah. um, in the top five. But for sure. Dark Knight was in the top 10. There was nothing that was ever going to kick the Dark Knight out of the top 10. And then fucking here we are. Number 19. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, we already talked about this movie a little bit because it was on your list already. A lot of bit. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of bit. No, we talked a a lot about a lot of things. Um, But I love it, dude. It's so good. (laughs) And now here's what I'll say. Here's something new I'll add to this particular discussion of it is the... Honestly, I think what this movie does above all else, above the fact that it's, you know, heat with psychopaths that dress up as fucking, you know, in costumes or that. Yeah, it's one guy's like, a bat, the other guy's a joker. There's a joker, yeah. The 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 <laughs> boss told <laughs> me to person. kill you. Boss told me to kill you after with a fucking score or whatever. Oh, funny, yeah, you told yeah, me yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. Whatever. Um outside of all of that and the um all the action set pieces and stuff, I think what this movie really like clutched or like something that it really kind of figured out is what we just talked about is like it went back to the dr Zhivago or the the lawrence of arabia like what if i just use the biggest film stock just in existence but for a superhero movie or really rather for like a remake of heat that i really wanted to yeah make, yeah yeah you yeah. know <laughs> and like what a great fucking idea because in my mind that's what stands out to me about it so there's a couple of things that stand out to me about this movie when i think about the dark knight i think about heath ledger i think about the score and i think about that like droning like cello 
that like uh, t- tense building kind of moments in in the score the scene with you want to know how i got these scars like all of the tense stuff i think about the heist in the beginning um but then i think about the cinematography and specifically just like the imax shots yeah. like the really oh, yeah. big establishing shots like that hong kong shot or that yeah. shot in the very beginning of the movie is this like when this movie came out I had never seen anything like this on a, on a movie theater screen because we didn't grow up in the 60s when these movies were coming out, right? Yeah. I had never seen something like this when the aspect ratio changes and it fills the entire theater screen. And you're just like, holy goddamn. And we've already kind of talked about this, how I'm glad he did it. And now he's obviously doing more and more. He's doing it more and more. When the, to where we have movies like Dunkirk that are just going to fucking exist forever yeah. uh, looking like that. But I'm glad I that call he did it, it shooting the Nolan way because, like, he really kind of has uh, invented a new. Well, it's not really new, but it, it's his way of doing this thing, which is you just shoot a lot in IMAX, a lot as much as you can, and yeah. the rest you shoot in 35. And yeah, like maybe some people are like I don't, but I don't really like changing Asperger. He's like, fuck that. It's gonna look great. Who fuck cares? That. No, because he knows. Because he knows he's he's smart about it. He's smart about when to use it. You know. <clears throat> Um, and, and I have a couple of friends who are just like, why doesn't he just shoot the entire thing in IMAX? You know, if he's so obsessed with it, it was like, well, they, they, that's, you know, that's not how movies are made. Like they plan these things. Like it is a, you know, widescreen aspect ratio movie that happens to have for effect these great, huge fucking set yeah. pieces that are shot in IMAX. He basically, he would, but you can't with IMAX film. You could, and you, with... and you can't, and you can't like stick IMAX cameras in like, you know, if in like that interrogation scene or whatever, you know, uh, it, it would, it, it, it makes, it makes it very hard because, <clears throat> because like, then you can't really do sound and then yeah. you have to like ADR the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, there's a lot of technical reasons, but the point is that, yeah, I think it's just so smart. Uh, and he's and he's but he's able so he's basically able to take the stuff that has traditionally been reserved for these five hour epics like a Lawrence of Arabia or something uh, that is like this yeah. great or it's like it's it's about the locations or it's about this and that. And he's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to do it in Chicago or I'm going to do it in fucking space. We'll do it on a soundstage, you know, like it's great that he's able to just uh, adapt it to just whatever he feels like making. Basically he's able to take this big screen format and just say, I'm going to make a movie about time spies fucking mm-hmm. shoot it in the style of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Shoot it, shoot it in 60 millimeter and it's, a lot right. of IMAX, like a yeah. lot of IMAX. Yeah. Which is like, uh, it's, it's no one else is doing that. Nobody else yeah. is probably going to do that. Um, Cause everybody's like, Oh, we have eight K cameras who gives a fuck. But like, it makes a difference. There's, there's it something makes a about, yeah. There's That's, something about when you shoot on that 70 millimeter IMAX film, the way that looks. Yeah. And I think subconsciously, like a lot of people don't notice it or maybe they don't pay attention to it. But I'm telling you, like if the people that love the Dark Knight, like it's it's no small part that we have uh, just the, again, the, the way that he kind of approached it technologically. Uh, yeah. That's no small part of it. It's just like again, and when we get to the fairy scene, and you see the fairy on the water and everything, and you you have these great like he does these great establishing shots in this movie that like just keep taking you from from scene to scene. So yeah, I don't know. We talked about the Dark Knight a lot, but yeah, we talked I think about that's it a lot. Um, like I said before, this this film is the reason is a lot of the reason why. I mean, Iron Man as well, uh, but this film right. really felt different than every other comic book film. Like there are other films that were maybe good or they were fun or whatever, but this film felt like it was really a marriage of art and commerce. And the fact that this film was like 
like the minute it came out, people were like, okay, this film's like not kind of good. This film's really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that had never, there, there had never, ever, ever been a film in the comic book genre that got anywhere near that type of discussion. Yeah. Ever, up to that point. And so that was like, that was the moment where it really kind of changed where it's like, okay, not only can we make films that make money, but it can also be something that, and this film made a fuck ton of money. Like when it came out, it was probably yeah. like, it was probably like the third or fourth or fifth highest grossing film of all time, like in the United States. If yeah. you just, because this came out before um, Avatar. So if you just yeah. did its USA gross, it was probably like maybe second or third highest ever. And why do you Which think that is? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, why do people like what, uh, what, why, how do we get asses in seats? Right. Like, why do people go to movie theaters? And of course it was different 12 years ago than it was now, but not necessarily because ultimately you're going there because you want to see an ex- you want an experience. Right. Yeah. So like, what are the other top two movies? Probably fucking Titanic and like some star Wars movie or something. And, right. Yeah. And star Wars and Jurassic park. Probably Jurassic at the park. time that was, that was exactly. It. Yeah. The independence the, day. Right. The spectacle things. Um, and, like a Batman movie on paper is not necessarily a spectacle movie. Like it doesn't have to be right. Like the Tim, the, the fucking Tim Burton movies were not, they were just kind of like weird art movies that like happened to be a, a little creepy and a little comic-y. Um, but he, he made this a spectacle movie. The, the, the addition of all of that, like the, the big idea stuff and the big, uh, set pieces, it's, it turned into like an event, like people, cause I remember people were talking about it. They're like, you gotta go see this new fucking Batman movie. It's like, why? Like the, you, like I've seen Batman before and it was, it had bat nipples and bat credit card. And it was, it was weird. Disaster. Like, why would I go see this thing? It's like, well, it's not just a Batman movie. It's like actually like a huge epic thing. So I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've definitely talked a lot about this film. Uh, it's, it's a masterpiece and yeah. This and Inception are, I think, the things that really like catapulted him to where he is today. Because yeah. Um, yeah, if he just made like the Prestige and Memento, like I think people would see him as sort of a an interesting director that makes some really you know cool plot twisty kind of films. Uh, but yeah, once he made The Dark Knight, he was like on top of the whole planet, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he really took that Kubrick uh, inspiration to heart. He was just like, I'm just going to fucking get interesting with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make like a movie for like everything that I'm interested in. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. Time. Yeah, I'm just going to pick one. <laughs> Boom. Yep. All right. Cool. Yeah, Dark Knight. Uh, we've talked a lot about it. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great one. Man. It's a great mm-hmm. one. Um, all right. So my number 19. So next couple films are some sequels, some great sequel films. So this is... Uh, Godfather Part Two. Um, so yeah, Godfather Part Two. I feel it's kind of weird, but it's almost like underrated. Like it's rated highly, but it's like it's it's almost better. It's better than Number Nineteen. I almost feel like, but like for me, it just falls there because that's just where I feel about it. I think I like. We'll see where the first one falls for me. Um, but this one does a lot of amazing stuff. When you think about what this film does as a sequel. And the type of traps that you can fall into with the sequel to The Godfather. And Coppola's like, fuck that. I'm gonna I'm not gonna get trapped. And in particular, you know, well, in particular, uh a sequel that just didn't want to be made. Coppola didn't want to make it fucking Mario. There was no like novel to base it off of. 
this the sequel part like it's just like what are we gonna you know they had to be original like this movie didn't want to be made and then he found a way basically so yeah yeah he found a way and pretty much it's like two narratives one is the stuff of the dad and how he became uh the don uh the godfather (laughs) and the other one is this sort of murder mystery with uh michael um which is really interesting because like yeah like like basically there's this whole thing there's this party in vegas and there's this douchebag senator and there he hyman roth what a fucking great character yeah yeah so i'm gonna i i'm not talking a lot because (laughs) it's gonna come i'm I'm just gonna tell you this movie's in my top five okay yeah i i i love this movie yeah every fiber of my being yeah this movie this movie is really really amazing that just you know the the stuff that they do uh, with the with the flashbacks, it's just like unfucking believable. It's so yeah. cool. And I mean, and it, it, we've talked about a, a couple other movies like that have like this kind of immigrant story thing. And certainly every mob movie has an element to it. But there's something about, and I'm personally attached to it. But there's something about the way it's done in this movie. Oh that yeah. It just it just well, especially it just because like, it's it opens and there's a fucking murder and th- there's one murder. So his brother gets shot at a funeral Mm -hmm. the fuck and then his mom's begging for mercy and then she gets killed in a pretty brutal way it's not like oh she died and we look away no it's like you see her fucking fly when she gets blasted with the shotgun yeah Uh, and then yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then and then it's like okay he's just biding his time and then he comes back i i love when he fucking murders that dude Dude. and and he's like vito andolini and then he like takes it oh my god rips him i love that that's one of my favorite murders i have to say really fucked up but like i I, love that i'm exercising so much restraint right now i love this movie so much this is probably the best probably the best al pacino performance like ever because it's like 90 percent restrained it's not there's no i mean there's a little bit of screaming but when the screaming happens it's like everything everything leads up to that moment thematically the story the plot like when he fucking loses it Mm -hmm. he loses it and it's awesome but like 90 percent of the movie he's just like he's just fucking pissed i don't know it's awesome there's so many there's so much stuff like one of the scenes that i really love that i keep coming back to is like they're all in cuba all the basically mm-hmm. gangsters and corporate interests. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they, they, and this is just so brilliant. So they have this cake. Yeah. The cake. Cu- I knew you were going to talk about the cake. <laughs> has the cake that has Cuba on it and they cut up the cake. Yeah. And it's just so brilliant. <laughs> What's funny too, is like that, that allegory for me, there's so many things in life that actually that's how the world. That's works. how it works. Yeah. That's literally how it works. Like your, yeah. your internet provider, in America and probably in a lot of other that's Spectrum, literally Comcast, AT and T, whatever. Yeah. yeah, Verizon. Literally, they cut up the fucking country like a cake, mm-hmm. and they set up monopolies or duopolies. Well, what is the mafia if not just a microcosm of the the, the rest of the system? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The stuff with um, you know Fredo, just like yeah, come on, man, so yeah. good, just yeah. so good, just so good. Um, yeah. It's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's abs- it's it's one of the greats. And I mean, like you said, I think I, what I will chime in with is to say that, like, for a sequel, like, wow. And also, not only that, by the way, your welcome movies that you have things that are called two or part two now because 
again, there's that story that we may have talked about already where like they just they didn't want to call this part two because they just assumed that like audiences were not really conditioned to direct sequels in this way. Yeah. Or if there were like like even going back to like the 30s or the 20s or not the, like the 30s, like those Dashiell Hammett, like the Thin Man movies or whatever. They always had like the Thin Man, the Thin or like the Pink Panther, the Pink Panther Returns, yeah, Revenge yeah. of the Pink Panther. There was not Pink Panther 1, Pink Panther 2, Pink Panther 3. They didn't do it that way. And back um, in the day, they did serials. That too, um, right. Yeah. And so it would just be like, but that was, it's it's kind of weird because it's basically considered one film. So it's it's like, oh, what you about mean the Godfather? Here? Or, well, or, no, or the I serials? Mean, like the serials way back yeah. in the, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, up to the 30s and 40s, it would be mm-hmm. like Le Vampire. And it's like four hours, but it's like 30 oh, serials. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's 30 mm-hmm. 10 minute films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they just yeah, kept yeah. making because people kept watching them. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's totally, this is totally different. And it's, it's totally different. Cause yeah, they, they, they came in and they just called it part two basically. Yeah. And it's like, and again, there's no, it's confusing because it's like to audiences they they weren't used to it. Okay, sure. Whatever. They'll figure it out. It's part two. It's the sequel, uh, not part two as in the second half of the first movie that you've already seen. But then also like, there's no part two for the book. Like there's no Godfather two. So that was another thing. He's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't call it part two. And he was just like, no, I want to call it part two. And then what? It, immediately after that is like French Connection 2 pops up. It's like, well, okay, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah. And so now we yeah. just have twos and threes and fours and fives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just think that's a funny little anecdote, but in the history of this movie. But I mean, lots to talk about and we'll get to it uh, yeah, for, for, yeah. For, for my opinions on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I love it dearly <laughs> yeah it's it's a masterpiece man it's just it's a masterpiece um yeah it's all, all i'll say uh yeah so that's my number 19 the godfather part two part two sick um all right cool switching gears a little bit we're heading we're, we're coming back to my swamp my 90s swamp uh number 18 is a joel schumacher film god bless him falling down Oh, this yeah. is for sure. This is by far my favorite Joel Schumacher film, and it made it this high up the fucking list. Uh, I love this movie so much. Now, why do I love this movie so much? Uh, it again comes down to that like relatable, simple premise. It's just a very simple premise movie. It's Michael Douglas is just like a little bit kind of on the like a little bit kind of a fringe guy. He's like an office worker, and then you you later find out that he's like some kind of a veteran or something. Uh, and he feels mistreated by the system and he's trapped in the system like we all are. We're trapped in the rat race. I mean, if you hold a nine to five, you you fucking you kind of understand what this movie's going for. So the movie opens up. It's an L.A. movie, uh, which, again, I just I love that setting. I just love that backdrop, this concrete jungle, this absolute just mire that everybody is in L.A. Uh, so he's stuck on the freeway. It's hot as hell. They do a good job. It's like a it's like a do the right thing kind of thing where everybody's just sweating and there's this like orange filter over the screen and it's like shaky uh, not shaky, but it's just like that melting kind of filter they have over it. Uh, and he's just stuck on this on ramp or whatever. And he just like he just decides, fuck it, like, fuck it. Like, I'm it, I'm I, I why am I doing this? I'm done. So he gets out of his car and just starts walking and then it's like an odyssey through LA. Basically he ends, he goes to this, um, he goes to this like corner store owned by some Koreans, which is again, a, a classic like, trope of, like, of the nineties. <laughs> well, yes, of course. Every, like we talked about it, like every movie menace to society, yeah, right? The society, Koreans. The hood, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, but like still kind of, 
and I mean, even do the right thing actually had like a Korean store owner scene or like a. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, scene's yeah. actually that scene's actually like that scene's crazy. Like they were, they, yeah. they destroyed the Italian place. And then they were going to destroy the Korean, the Korean place. place. Yeah, but then they were and like, then the guy was like, "No, no, no, he's he's good. He's, he's cool. cool. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool. We, we, we they're all right. Like we're the cool. white guys, fuck him, but we're all right." <laughs> um. So yeah, it's just so. Anyways, if you haven't seen this movie, it's basically just Michael Douglas gets out of his car on his way to work, and he just decides to. He doesn't intend on going on a rampage, but what ends up happening is yeah. that every little thing that has been chipping away at him his entire life just kind of all breaks loose that day. And so, and it goes back and forth between the Michael Douglas adventures of him. He goes into the store and he gets frustrated. What He gets frustrated over how the soda costs $2.50 or whatever. He's like, $2.50, that is fucking insane or whatever. You know, and the store owner is just like, dude, just pay it and get out. And then he's, and then he, and then he gets frustrated with, with the, the fact that the guy's Korean and then he starts getting racist with it. And then it's just like, <laughs> Like you can kind of see the inner machinations of this like white yeah. collar guy or like blue collar guy or whatever. Uh, it just breaking down in the system just that's been oppressing everybody. Just like yeah. he's just like it's kind of like Grant Torino, but with a with a middle aged guy. A it's little like, bit, yeah. It's like Grant Torino and Fight Club had a had a had a baby. Yeah, and that's you a, have a rampage in the middle. <laughs> yeah, thank you for selling my movie. Um, so, so yeah, and then so it goes back and forth between that and then Robert Duvall. Uh, it plays a police officer, or d- detective, or whatever. He's on his last day. He's about to retire, and uh, he gets the call. Him and his partner. Uh, to just like there's this fucking maniac who like busted up a Korean shop and now he's like uh, he's going through I forget what neighborhood they're going through but like he ends up in um, one of the like Latino neighborhood in, in neighborhoods in LA there's like a fucking drive-by shooting that happens and then he like tracks him down he gets like a bag full of guns and then he goes to a McDonald's and then he gets fucking pissed that the guy won't give him breakfast past a certain hour and he pulls yeah. out a Mac Ten <laughs> he starts yeah. he, and he is, but is the whole time RPG like. Involved. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he gets uh he he well, he gets back on the freeway at some point and uh <laughs> there's a couple of construction workers they're like, "We have the contract for this." And he's like, "Your contract is bullshit. The city made up the contract to keep you employed. The the road doesn't need any work." And he's like, "What are you getting mad at me for?" Like, I'm just fucking the construction guy. He's like, "I will fix it for you." Then he pulls out an RPG and he just fucking blows up the construction site. Yeah. So, it's it's funny and it's crazy, but it's like also super relatable because especially and I feel like it's pertinent because especially at this point in time after 2020, so many people and so many young people that had like weren't even born when this movie got made, like understand the frustration of like this system that we're stuck in kind of just doesn't make any sense. It's just there for its own sake kind of a thing. And uh, I'm not saying Michael Douglas is the most relatable character in this movie, but you kind of get it. He's just a guy that's trapped in the nine to five. Uh, And of course they, because I think there had to be a little bit, maybe there was some studio meddling or whatever. There's an element of like, he's actually crazy and he wants to kill his fucking wife or whatever. Uh, By the end of it, there's this great scene. He ends up in this army surplus store with like an, actual Nazi like racist guy <laughs> and that's kind of when you realize when you realize that like as bad as Michael Douglas is like this is the true evil right and the guy just starts dropping all of the gamer words uh, so <laughs> so so it's it just I feel like this movie is super relevant still and it's one of my favorite movies of all time and it made it this high up the list because I love I love the premise of it I love how simple it is, and I love that it's more more or less just like following this guy around L.A. 
Um, it's just a really cool movie. I love it. This movie really feels like it, it's 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 a person trying to attack, strike back at the system that's just fucked them over, but they yeah. don't have anyone to uh, strike back at, so they just like they go. Right. To the, yeah, it's like they don't know it, what to focus it, their rage on. Yeah, yeah, is it the guy at the convenience store's fault that the the corporate people up to the thing? But no. no, but but you're still mad. It's like what the yeah. fuck. So right. Like my, Michael Douglas's character doesn't understand that, but the viewer understands that. That's what I like about this movie. It's like every every time, like when he walks into that McDonald's and he's just like, it's you know, it's eleven oh five, just fucking yeah, serving yeah. the breakfast. It's like like we're done we've at all 11. been there. Like we get it. And then he just takes it a step further and he pulls out the Mac Ten and he's just like, look, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I just think it's obscene that you can't give me uh, my fucking breakfast meal. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's 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 like the kind of the funny the punchline of this whole yeah. thing is like, yeah, it's an arrows we've all been in, right? We've all been in the yeah. like, oh, I bought this thing, I've I've I bought this soda for like five years and then just double them. What the fuck? Right. Yeah, like why? Or yeah. like or like yeah, I walk into Wendy's and like. I want I want a fucking you know frosty and like well the machine doesn't work well fuck you right it does right. work you right. yeah. Bitch, you know? yeah it's your it's your fault <laughs> um or or oh my god just L A driving if fucking mm-hmm. and there's construction mm-hmm. you do construction mm-hmm. on L A during peak fuck you peak like, yeah, yeah peak hours peak heat like everything in this movie is obviously at its like maximum irritation level on purpose uh but yeah I mean you you. 100% get it and especially if you live in a city like you're just yeah and but there's no one to be mad at you'd be mad no. at the mayor exactly well, they're exactly. just you're just gonna get another mayor you're not gonna like it's just yeah yeah exactly it's just a lot it's just the metropolitan life it's just mm-hmm. kind of you have to learn to just live with it yeah it sucks yeah. But yeah. sometimes people are like, fuck that. I don't want to live with this shit. Yeah. And that's what he that's does a, in this movie. It's a good fantasy in that way. And of course he doesn't get, you know, he, he doesn't like, it's not, a, he doesn't get a happy ending or anything. Um, so like the, the second half of the movie kind of falls off when we get into some of the stuff with his wife and whatever. It's not as uh, impactful because it's just plot based random garbage. But like the, the other stuff that we've been talking about is like, it just feels super, super relevant. Uh, and it, I think it will continue to be relevant, uh, this movie. Uh, totally. Yeah. Um, cool. Falling down. All right. So my number 18, another sequel, um, is The Empire Strikes Back, the uh, the great sequel to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, not a- Star Wars 2, The Empire yeah, Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and then he titled it Episode 5. Motherfucker. Ep- like, What? <laughs> episode what yeah that's another mind fuck by the way right so i I just saw episode four so what's one two three one of the big teases of all time right even even as a even as like a kid when i was watching four five and six on vhs i was just like why are they four five and six and then somebody had to explain to me like well one just came out but we're waiting for two to come out i'm like what the fuck that's we've already have the rest of the series and they're like no this is how it works no george lucas um yeah exactly so i think a lot a lot a lot a lot should be said about this um this movie I think a lot of people don't totally understand like what George Lucas did and like how kind of unbelievably incredible it is that he did it. That he just took his hands a little bit off. <laughs> well, no, the fact that he made this film on his own. Oh, he, George Lucas made this film. It wasn't yes, Fox. Me. It wasn't Paramount. It wasn't Warner. It was him. And he made these agreements with them to do for Fox to distribute it. But he got the money. He got the loans. He did everything. And he, like, the amount of shit he had to deal with 
to make this movie is kind of unbelievable if you actually kind of do the deep dive into it. Um, and I feel like this this film like is why Star Wars is a thing. Yeah. And so like what I was kind of thinking, the best way to put it is like the Empire Strike ba- Strikes Back is basically why George Lucas became a billionaire instead of just being the guy who made Star Wars. Yeah. Because in this film, he like again it's so i mean he he so i was reading about so let's i'll kind of give you the story and then let's sort of paint a picture in our minds of what this sounds like so he decides i'm gonna make this movie um but i'm gonna do it on my own uh because i have all this money now from star wars tons of money that he you know it was a huge windfall because he got all Mm -hmm. the toy rights Mm -hmm. and i think the first the first christmas that star wars they tried to sell the toys. They all sold out immediately. And so nice. they had to like give people shit on layaway. It was crazy. Nice. So he made a ton of money. And so he's like, okay, so I'm going to have to do this thing. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to just finance it all myself. So they start off with a $15 million budget. The first thing he has to do is, so the people who um, did, were part of ILM that he created, half of them quit. And then I was reading, the, there was a, other, basically like some of the the visual effects supervisors, he kind of hated them. So mm-hmm. so he basically had to then spend like months recreating ILM. Mm-hmm. Re, re, and rebuilding so that's yeah. yeah, rebuilding. And that's basically why he, uh, uh, part of why he didn't direct this movie is that he had so much to do with making sure ILM was rebuilt so that that's they could awesome. do the special effects for this. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, we're gonna make this movie. It's $15 million, which is a pretty big budget. Immediately doubles. The budget yeah. immediately doubled. Um, and so then well, what was the budget on the first one? Oh, it was like 7 million, 8 million, something like that. To be fair. Yeah, it's kind of a simple movie, it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. that was probably a pretty, pretty good budget for the time, Yeah. but he was going to double it. And then that double. Yeah. 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 And then, so then, um, the banks freaked out and they were going to try and call, call the loan on him. And so then he had to renegotiate with Fox. So then he, 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 he puts out that fire. So then their first day of shooting, they're shooting like in fucking Norway or something like that. For the, the cold scenes. Yeah. The coldest yeah. day ever. Massive snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. Does it sound like Apocalypse Now, maybe? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it yeah. started, to, right? And so and we're starting to see like, oh, this could go really, really poorly if things don't work out. Um, it's really funny. So apparently like it was so bad that they... They got like one or two shots of Luke. Like it's literally they they told Mark Hamill go out into the snow, <laughs> and then the DP and whoever is gonna be inside of the hotel shooting out. That's right. I've heard the story. Yeah. yeah. So they just told Mark Hamill go outside, and yeah. then they're shooting him inside the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so they somehow get through all that. Then they have a massive fire on one of their sets. I think basically the set that they built to be Dagobah just caught on fire and just burnt, and it just completely burned. And I think they had to rebuild it. Disaster after disaster after disaster, but in the end, somehow this becomes basically the best Star Wars the, film. Yeah, it was it, the highest-grossing film of 1980, and it completely set Star Wars as basically the first blockbuster franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of incredible when you think about all that stuff. Like people don't realize Star Wars, like these Star Wars films, this film, and um the the sixth one oh the these are one. independent films yeah, yeah, yeah made by george lucas, George well, so just george aren't, lucas aren't the the, the, the prequels much. are too aren't they 
They are. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about this may, I mean, I, I remember having this discussion with you at some point, I don't know if it was on camera or off, but, um, from a, like, if you're interested purely in like, so if you, if you'd like to say like, oh, you know, George Lucas fucking got lucky. He had a good idea. He wrote a good script. Right. And he made it, he made a movie once kind of a thing. When you look at it from that like perspective and you don't know anything about anything and you're just like, he directed the first movie and then he fucking got the toy rights and then he just stepped off. Or when you look at like, oh, Steven Spielberg, okay, he's got talent, but like he made Jaws. And so, you know, he got lucky or whatever. The, the amount of finagling and parlaying one good thing into another thing like that's the tr that's the real genius that's the real talent it's not so much that he was able to adapt a fucking hero's journey and turn it into a space movie or he took a Kurosawa movie and he made it a space movie that's cool that he did that but i'm glad that you brought up the the business side of things because that's a lot of the, that's the side of things that people don't think about when it comes to hollywood they they just look at what's on the screen and they're like yeah it's a good movie but like he didn't direct it and like they just got everybody back and everybody like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. They were all at the top of their game, you know, so it's like whatever. Billy D. Williams was fucking cool. So like they put him in the movie. But like, no, dude, it's like the day to day. And again, just the turning one shit nugget into like a gold mine and then just keep doing that. It's, I mean, he averted yeah. so many disasters on this movie. And again, there could be another universe where this movie is bad. And Star Wars, Absolutely. oh yeah, it's, there's Star Wars, and then there's and that we talk about Star Wars as like that one important movie in the '70s that like set the stage for other more important movies. But now we kind of like Star Wars is it, right? <laughs> because Star of this movie, yeah, Star Wars is the it franchise. Yeah. Um, like in terms of theatrical film, yeah, like it's it is it is it. Um, yeah. and this, I really feel like this film is the reason why um, he was able to finagle all these things and yeah it's just so much stuff like the way that they got the puppets i think they even like they 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 wanted to do yoda in a way where they like had a monkey train a monkey to do something yes. some shit yeah. like that and then like finally um at some point he called uh jim henson and was like hey can you make a puppet for this it's like yeah sure i can make and a i puppet mean for you. right it's 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 it also helps that you have access to all of these great things and you've already built ILM and you're, you know, whatever you're building it again. But like, so I feel like so many people can feel like uh, not necessarily jealousy, but like a little bit jaded where they're like, ah, well, all of these great guys, they just got, like I said, they got lucky or, or they just don't think about like the amount of work and the amount of savviness that you have to have to make some of these things happen. Like yeah. Empire Strikes Back is not like a sure thing. Not at all. It, it just never was. <laughs> not at all. Not yeah. at all. You think That's, it is now because you see it and you're like, I'll just it's, fucking it's do that movie again. Yeah. But like, no, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and that's not even so. That's the business side, right? And then there's the story side. Yeah, the story side yeah. in and of itself is a whole nother thing, right? Because coming out of Star Wars, and and so they there was it this kind of has an ending, and you're kind of just like, yeah, it does. Do we yeah. really want to fuck with it? Yeah, um, yeah, and so and not only that, but like there's a lot of stuff that he changed just on the fly, basically. Um, there was this novel that was written, and in that novel, uh, there's a love story between luke and leia yeah like and that's a fucking book that he you know he he got someone to write and then in this movie he at some point in the middle he was like okay they're gonna be related then vader's gonna be the father all this mm -hmm. other stuff and you know and then he gets lawrence Cosden to write the script 
And actually, so this is another disaster that happened. So he got this, I forget what her name, she got, he got yeah. this other person to write that. And then she died. She just died. Yeah. And she's responsible for like a lot of the, a lot yeah. of the like big kind of plot points in the movie. Yeah. So she dies and that's another disaster um, on so many levels. So like there was a lot of Lee, shit. Lee went. Brackett. Yeah. Lee Brackett. And yeah. so like, it, it's who, just. Who, who, by the way, is just like a fucking absolute like a like a hollywood uh, movie studio writer like a wrote rio bravo the big sleep and like all of these yeah. things you see like <laughs> like these guys like lucas get it right yeah because he's like he's watched all these john ford films and he's like who wrote these films oh right. she's I, like a part of all i'm hiring her right? i'm at the level where i can get jim henson and i can get someone like lee brackett i'm gonna do it yeah Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so then it just, it just, it just, you know, gives him more of a chance to succeed. Um, yeah. And so, and then, you know, again, he comes up with the Luca, I'm your father stuff, yeah. the greatest plot twist of all time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, the rest that's is history. important. That's, that's super important. The rest is history. And I think because of that, because like you said, like there were sequels to things like there was Godfather part two, but it was just kind of like, it was just like another one, right? It was just like its own thing kind of a thing, or it followed on from the first, whatever, but there weren't like, like the, the way that they set up, especially for something as commercial as star Wars, where people had already had toys and then he made up like the myth of like those toys yeah. would be like retroactively enhanced by the new yeah. plot twists in this movie. Like you have your Vader toy and then Vader turns out to be Luke's father. And then now you're hyped as shit for the third movie. Yeah. Yes. You don't like, you don't know if they're going to make a third movie, but like now, you know, they're going to make a third you, movie. You want to see it. Even yeah. If, so even if it doesn't, you want to see it really. Bad. It's a huge thing. I mean, people weren't doing that. They were doing like project by project basis, mm -hmm. or if there were sequels to things again, they were kind of single, like uh, Popeye Doyle goes to France, you know, whatever. Uh, not, not quite like this, this like yeah, serialized the, kind of thing. Cause all, a lot of the really good stuff that we really like about just star Wars in general, he basically invented to, as backstory for this movie, like the duel on Mustafar, he mm -hmm. invented it. We didn't see it for another, you know, 25 years, but he, that was the backstory he generated to like mm -hmm. understand, okay, this is where this world comes. So he did all this world building, yeah. did all this stuff. And yeah, this, this film really propels it into the franchise territory where people are like, okay, I'm invested in this saga. I want to know more of what's going to happen to these characters. And yeah, I mean, it just it just can't be stated that there this this could have gone a totally different way. Yeah, no, this totally. could have been a footnote. We could have just, we could have just been talking about Star Wars as again that one movie that did a lot of things in the seventies and then kind of fell off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there's just so much. And like again, all the stuff he does with the way that because in the first movie we don't really see much with the Force. Or understand what the force is oh yeah it's that world building baby you gotta sprinkle in the mystery <laughs> yeah we see him use the force to blow up the death star yeah but what does that really mean we don't know and here he he but totally expands it so much it's more. like it, it's like even when you like you know when you're a kid when you're like writing stories or like uh in my case i was drawing comic books when i was a kid and it, you you would just make shit up as you went along and you didn't know where it was leading but you're like oh wouldn't it be cool if this guy did this like i feel like this is what star wars was he was just, he just yeah. had the sense enough to know that like i don't know what the fuck the force is but like 
when I figure it out, I'll, the groundwork is laid, you know, and I can. Yeah, I think he's always been really good at the big ideas. Articulating yeah. those ideas has been difficult or he's gotten bogged down a bit. Yeah. I, well, I do. I do think like they did a really good like the writers did a really good job, like all the stuff on Dagobah where yeah. um, it's vague enough, but like not. Yeah. Completely, uh, unknowable. Yeah, where Yoda like really, and Yoda as a character, greatest character. Oh, so ever. cool! Yeah, come on. <laughs> like Yoda is such a great fucking character. <laughs> I mean, they literally, they literally did a whole TV show about Yoda, but a baby, <laughs> and it was like, it was like the great, it was right. like people. Love we don't have to, we don't have to talk about that. We don't have time to get into that. But that's another one of those things where, like, again making shit up as you go along but like you 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 find the right guys who are passionate like who understand the meta mythos of this thing and you're just like ah what if yoda but baby you know that'll sell toys and make the story interesting you know it's the same thing that lucas was doing that'll sell toys like we're gonna sell way more darth vader toys now than ever before and we're gonna like the story will continue kind of yeah i I really there's there's a lot to be said about this movie. Um, just like the way that it propels the franchise, right? Like just all these thematic things. You know, like Luke. What what's Luke's thing? As in the first movie, he he wants to be like his father. I want <laughs> to be the very best. Yeah, he wants to, <laughs> and he has that line with Obi Wan. I wanna I wanna learn the ways of the Force like my father did, or whatever. And he's yeah, like, okay, right, right, cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, kid. Little, little do you know. Um, and then that this is the payoff to that. It's like, oh, your dad is the most evil human being in the universe, like literally. Um, and I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was and I was so attached to this story. I got to tell you, like these first three, I didn't watch the prequels um, when as they were coming out because uh, we just like I just didn't know enough about Star Wars. My family wasn't hyped about it, and plus we were in Romania, so like again, the first movie, the first movie theater opened into the first megaplex open or multiplex i'm sorry opened in the year 2000 i remember that very specifically because we went there and i saw fucking vertical limit this like shitty chris o'donnell movie but oh um, yeah 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 that was like the first movie i ever saw in the theater i think (laughs) but um like so we weren't like the media machine was not working over there like it like it worked over here um but like just spending the day that i spent it was one day where i watched four five and six those tapes back to back to back uh, and it was pre special edition. I th- I think when I saw them, because uh, it was like ninety eight or whatever. Um, yeah, it was just like so cool. It was just like I was so invested in that character and Luke in particular. Uh, and I thought that was it. I thought that was a really good, really solid story. Uh, and I I've never changed my opinion on that uh, because I did when I watched the prequels. I just was like I got a little too lost in the sauce for me. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah. Um... I th- I think for me the big picture stuff about why this film is first off this film is a masterpiece I think is really really well done it's it's there's so really many, good there's so many just like really beautiful cinematic moments yes yes like when the, when they and like like you know you got to know right you're directing this okay when I have to make the moment where Vader and Luke face off like it, it has to it has to hit yeah and dude they really like <laughs> they really like that that shit is unbelievable when it's like it's him and he's and it's vader and he's like kind of backlit and it's really dark and and he's you know he's like you're not a jedi yet (laughs) and then then they both draw their the lightsabers it's like dude that's that's cinema 
Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. That is cinematic because you can mm. feel that that build. It's bit like and and again, it's been building from the last movie where you know Luke's fighting him, but it's not totally the same, and he gets saved. There's no one to save him this time. Before yeah. he got saved by Han Solo, but now Han mm-hmm. Solo is gone. Yeah, and so he he has to, and it's just such a hero's journey kind of thing, you know. Like yeah, you have to yeah, face yeah. your greatest fear by yourself. Uh, after having trained for all this time right like you've trained to be to come to this moment yeah no it's 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 really good and like you said it's really cinematic is the thing like this movie uh like it's it it is it's just like it's a it's a widescreen ratio it's very like the photography is incredible uh as much as i despise and abhor the special editions this one is the one that's fucked with the least uh out of all of them yeah, exactly. There's not a lot you can fuck with. It's just like a really, it's like a really well-made thing. Yeah. Um, so, so it's been preserved really well is what I'm trying to say. So like the 4K versions that are out there look incredible. And uh, yeah. It's, this movie's really dark, by the way. I mean. That's why I they, like it. They kind of they <laughs> lay down some of the stuff. But I never, so this was something I, I only realized when I watched uh, The Revenant, which is, you know, mm. again, you have a guy who writes Westerns writing this uh, the story. But like at the beginning when the the Tauntaun freezes and then he he sticks Luke in the Tauntaun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never got that. Like like Oh yeah, that's for a horse thing. Decades, <laughs> I never understood why he opened up the Tauntaun. I oh, never got it. Oh, you uh, didn't. Okay. No, I didn't I had no idea that he he stuck him in the Tauntaun. That's pretty kind of fucked up actually. Yeah. Uh, in a certain way. And but then also like after the Luke I'm your father thing, Luke tries to commit suicide. Yeah. He literally tries to commit suicide, but then it's some Mary Poppins kind of stuff where he falls mm-hmm. into a thing and he lives. Mm-hmm. But that's that he literally tries to kill himself. <laughs> like you're like the like imagine that. Imagine them doing that shit like in the new yeah, Disney Cap- shit. Ca- Captain America just decides I uh, I'm at the the rock bottom and he just fucking goes to off himself. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. that's Captain America really... with a gun in his mouth. <laughs> yeah like that's really something man like the fact that and george let that happen he yeah. was the la- he was the guy he was the last deciding guy mm-hmm. and he said yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna go for it um that's your that's your archetypal hero yeah saying fuck it like yeah. literally fuck it <laughs> yeah i mean I, I imagine the whole time he's got his like socrates book and he's got like all these other books about storytelling he's just like all right what do we do next okay cool <laughs> yeah what's next in the playbook yeah exactly um, yeah, it's it's a it's an incredible film. Uh, yeah, it, so it's yeah. I'm I'm glad we had to have a, a at least a, a little bit of a Star Wars discussion. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's uh, that's my number eighteen. Great, awesome. Moving right along, bringing you bringing you back. Let, let me bring you back to 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 my to my filth. Number seventeen is another Brian De Palma film. Uh, for a lot of people, it's like the Brian De Palma film. Dressed to Kill. Uh, this movie is basically. I, I love it so much, but that's why we're in, we're as high up on the yeah. list as we are. Right. So what he does for the first hour, 45 minutes to an hour of this movie is it's just unfiltered, unashamedly Hitchcock. It is just pure Hitchcock. I mean, it is like the fucking, he does a scene in a museum where, the, where, uh, you know, a, 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 in this case, the the woman like chases around, a, like follows a guy around in the museum, right? I mean, he just it's it's just pure vertigo. He's just like pulling all of these things. He's just doing pure Hitchcock. But what I love, but what I love about it too is that the opening. So he's smart enough. He casts Angie Dickinson in this movie, who is literally every 
red-blooded straight males just boner it's just she just is an embodiment of like every movie goer's boner at the time right and so he opens the movie with angie dickinson taking a shower and you're like all right and then uh he uses a body double for the nudity or, and whatever but like you don't know that when you're watching it so you're like holy shit cool this is awesome this is great uh back then you know back then we had playboys and that's pretty much it right yeah uh and then during this like very picturesque steamy literally steamy shower sequence like a guy comes in the shower and she starts like grabbing her and stuff and you're like all right like where is this going fuck yeah and (laughs) and then uh and then i think the guy pulls out a knife or he's like starts choking her or whatever i think he pulls out a knife and then he's like fucking slits her throat in the shower (laughs) and there's fucking blood everywhere right and so you're quickly going from like smut like boner stuff to just like smut like you know sexy women getting murdered for like what reason i don't know and then she wakes up and then so the whole thing is played off as a psychological thing so the movie is about the psychiatrist played by michael kane uh and she is he is well, huh, she, he is her psychologist. And so the, the opening sequence is kind of like a, a, like a psychological Freudian kind of a thing on how she is unfulfilled in her marriage life, uh, mm. her husband or in her sex life specifically with her husband. Um, so what she, ends up happening for the rest of the first like half of the movie is she chases, um, she's like, it's just, it's so brilliant the way that th- this first half is shot. Granted, 80% of it is Hitchcock. So it's not like he invented the stuff, but like, there's not a lot of dialogue. I think in the first hour of the movie, there's maybe like five minutes of dialogue, five, 10 minutes of dialogue. The rest of it is just a lot on Andrew Dickinson's face, her like inner machinations about like, she's basically thinking after she goes to the psychiatrist, she's thinking about like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cheat on my husband. Uh, I have to do this like for myself. I'm just like unfulfilled. I'm going to go insane if I don't kind of a thing. She doesn't say it out loud, but you kind of get it. And then she starts lusting after this guy in the museum. She goes, she takes the day. Basically, she goes to a museum, looks at a bunch of art pieces. She sees this guy in the museum. She starts chasing this guy or like following him around and stuff. Very Hitchcock, very long takes, tracking shots, the works, everything. Uh, She ends up going to bed with this guy. Um, she follows him, whatever they get in the same cab together. Uh, but he does a little bit of a fight club thing, uh, or rather, you know, vice versa. You know what I mean? Where he inserts at the museum scene, a couple shots of what ends up being the killer, which I think is really smart. You don't pick that up until the second viewing, uh, whatever she gets in the cab with this guy. They start making out in the cab. They go to his place. They bang, you know, great success. She, she fucking did it. Is she a piece of shit for it? I don't know. You, you be the judge. And then she goes to leave him like a, like a, she wakes up while he's still asleep. She puts all her stuff back on. You know, she's got to go. She goes to write him a farewell letter um, and she can't find a pen. So it's again, all of these Hitchcock kind of like situation based things. She needs to write a note, but she can't find a pen. So she starts looking through the guy's desk for a pen and she finds a, um, like a medical report where uh, from like the day before dated that the guy has syphilis or whatever that she just slept with and then it's just like again this great just like no dialogue but like you just see her face and she's just like horrified by it so now you're just you're so into this story you're just like this is fucking i have no idea what this movie's about we're like 45 minutes in but like all right so this woman cheated on her husband now she's got fucking stds from this man and she has to tell her husband about it like what's gonna happen right uh five minutes later she gets brutally stabbed and murdered in an elevator by a fucking woman in a trench coat with like a blonde wig and sunglasses and it's and the entire thing is played out 
you have the suspense, you have the shots of the elevator doors closing, the guy coming in, or sorry, the woman coming in, just fucking stabbing this woman very brutally. I mean, they had to do a lot. Again, this is one of the, another one of those examples, if you look into like censorship, like the history of censorship in movies that like yeah. down to the frame, they had to cut this movie to not get an yeah, X rating. Yeah. And he would do this a lot. He did this a lot with Scarface and a lot of other movies. So you got this Hitchcock murder happen in the, in the, uh, in the elevator. And our, our protagonist, the person that we've been following this whole time, Angie Dickinson, biggest movie star of the 50s and 60s or whatever, fucking dead in the elevator. So what's the rest of the movie about? It's about this hooker played by Nancy Allen, uh, the great Nancy Allen, who happens to witness the murder. And then she takes it to the police and then whatever, whatever, whatever it turns into. We're trying to figure out who the killer is. Uh, turns out the killer is Michael Caine, except he has a so he's a psychologist, but he has a thing where He's transgender, but he can't in the time that they were in, he just he can't come. He, he can't he can't rationalize it, basically, mm -hmm. with his own psychology. So it becomes another thing where it's like, whoa, now we're in like this whole other territory of like, yeah. is this a trans movie? Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> is this movie trying to say that trans people are psychopathic killers? Like, what is going on? Um, so, yeah. And then. We have a, lot, a couple more scenes. There's a scene where Nancy Allen gets on a subway and like a couple, uh, like four or five gangster looking dudes like are chasing after her. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> there's just a lot of suspense in this movie. Yeah. There's so much like top of his game, Brian De Palma, Hitchcock knockoff suspense. I mean, absolutely incredibly paced, shot, edited, uh, but with the backdrop of like the most insane. It's basically psycho. I mean, right. It sounds like Psycho, yeah. Yeah, it's kill, Psycho. Kill the person, set up someone as the protagonist, kill him, and then kill have him. a second yeah. story with someone else. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but even it, the twist, right? Yeah, right, but it, exactly, exactly. Except the guy happens to be trans, right? Like, yeah. he, he either he happens to be trans or he believes, like, his alter ego is a woman or whatever. He thinks he has schizophrenia, <laughs> but really he doesn't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, but there's a there's actually a great scene in the movie. He does the split diopter thing where he, I mean, obviously, he does it in every fucking He movie. does it, yeah. He's, yeah. He does. He does that. There's a couple scenes with uh, whatever. There's that, and then he does a split screen in this movie, which I think is really cool. He does split screen uh, at one point where Nancy Allen is trying to get into Michael Caine's office or whatever, and he's in the office, and we see it in real time from both of their perspectives, and like we, and it, it syncs up. So like when she passes by a window, you see her in the window in the other shot in the other mm -hmm. split screen. There's just so much fucking you just feel like like a cinematic just like it blowing your load all over the place just like every technique every fun kind of thriller trope is in this movie and i love it so much and it's it's and it's schlocky it's schlocky as hell and it's it's so good it's like it's way more artistic than it has any right to be yeah it's yeah, great he just he just like he just loves to try to to elevate that he put he pushes that shit. He pushes yeah. that shit as far as possible. And I believe he wrote the script for this too. So mm -hmm. it purely comes out of somebody's head who just has seen Psycho 1800 million times. And then is just like, I want to make Psycho, but I'm going to get yeah. Angie Dickinson in it and like make her fucking hot as hell and whatever. You know, like yeah. just all, of this, all of this stuff. It's like, why can't I just show the why woman can I just show? in the shower? Yeah, exactly. And, and why can't I just yeah, get her show her getting murdered in the shower. Like that'll shock audience. And show the knife going in to her body. Dude, that scene in the elevator with the with the I think he kills her with like with like I think it's a knife or it might be a pair of scissors. I don't remember. Either way, the the, the 
the there's a lot of like uh close-up shots of the knife going in <laughs> yeah so if you're i mean shit man this is one of the best thrillers i think ever made so yeah yeah if you're into that kind of stuff i mean dress to kill is it so yeah. but this is also kind of this this movie and blowout are kind of like mm-hmm. counter pieces uh after this, I feel like the Palma kind of just the, the the Hitchcock phase is behind him, and now he's doing Scarface. And then I think after Carlito's Way, that phase is beyond the the big epic gangster movie kind of mm-hmm. is behind him. The Untouchables, all that is behind him. Now he's doing Mission Impossible, so he has phases. But uh, Dress to Kill is like the epitome of the Hitchcock kind of love letter, mm-hmm. uh, I think, and it's 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 really really well done. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Oh, dude, you you you're gonna like it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So my number 17, another sequel. Um, we've had three sequels in a row from me. <laughs> so this is uh, the Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, we haven't talked about this on your list yet? No, man. I love wow. this movie. Like, like, Holy I really... shit. So you – so so <laughs> I had Terminator 2 like weeks Two ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. And you already have Godfather Part Two, but now we just get to Terminator Two. All right, <laughs> now we get to tell, tell like, me more. Listen, man, I this movie is so like if if I had to rank R-rated action movies, I think this is probably my favorite of all time. Like of R-rated action movies, like there are others that sure. like do stuff that's really really good. Um, the Killer uh, and. Um, well, I forget the other the other one. Um, Hard boiled. Yeah, those are like John really, really, yeah, John yeah. shit. Um, you know, even John Wick, some of that. But like, there's something about mm. this movie, like the levels that he goes to. Yeah. The like, I don't. For me, this is his best film, mm-hmm. and like, it's just so fucking incredible. I saw this thing the other day. So it was a guy who who currently works for ILM, and he's worked on like he's worked on like four Star Wars films and like. A hell of shit. So he did this this thing where he talked about this one shot from the beginning of the movie where there's that battle where it's like the future and you see yes, the Terminator. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, he was yeah. talking. So this is insane. So they did this shot. So if you look at the shot, you can see there's like there's a Terminator in the foreground, there's a Terminator in the middle ground, there's a Terminator in the background. <laughs> so in order to do this shot, <laughs> it's literally a Terminator full scale. Then there's a rear projection of a Terminator that's a miniature, then that is another rear projection of a Terminator that's another miniature. How? So <laughs> How wait, that sounds like a Inception. How do you do that? It's literally Terminator Inception. I, I, I'll, I'll see if I can send you the thread. But I, I was like, what? And this is for like a shot that's, and then, and then the guy's like, oh yeah. And then he was like, oh, I, I found this special feature that shows Stan Winston making the miniature uh oh, terminate wow. and you can see him make this little miniature terminator that, that they, that they then shot to do that they then shot to do the wow. projection yeah i mean this is I'm not for one shot of, yeah. i'm not fucking yeah. surprised at all i mean we've already we've talked about this movie we've talked about james cameron i yeah. mean this is this is what he knows right this is it man i yeah. feel like he really there's so much he puts into this movie in terms of the world building in terms of the ideas in terms of like paying off all the things that we've wanted you know, the first movie is like a very low budget kind of B movie that's a, that he really does well. But I it's think a it's kind of like a, I think it's a Star Wars situation too, where like yeah. <laughs> you you can leave the first movie alone. You don't have to make another yes. one unless you want to really blow it up and you know, like the world building and everything, right? Yeah, and again, there's so many pitfalls he could have fallen into, right? 
Um, just like looking at all the, the fucking sequels that they've done to this movie. They all fall into one of the pitfalls, you know? But but in this, he he keeps it grounded, right? This movie, and I think that the, what makes this movie so good is it's, this movie's about Sarah Connor, but it's about Sarah her. Connor. Yeah, it's about her, how she deals with, like, imagine if you knew the world is going to end at about like X when? time. Yeah. And you know how, right? So, like, imagine, okay, in the future, you understand there's something even worse than, like, let's just paint a scenario. You know there's something that's going to be invented that's worse than nukes, and human beings are going to use it on each other, and it's going to kill, instantly kill, like, 7 billion people, just incinerate them, and then the rest, it's just fucking, you know, doggy dog. So she's living with that trauma, and we see it manifested later on in this amazing shot where they reproduce a nuke going off in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, like, super accurate in terms of, like, like that's basically what it would look that's like. What, if you yeah, were, yeah. You're in L.A., and you're like, da-da-da-da, oh, shit, Flash. Like, that's, that's basically yeah. what, and you would just turn into ashes. <laughs> yeah. like not, not a skeleton, not, like, ashes. Yeah. yeah. And you, you would you float away in the wind. Um. Yeah, he just, everything that we wanted from the first movie, if you thought about, like, how big could this world be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he gives us all of it. You know, um, in that opening scene, we get to see the the most coolest, most accurate version of what the future war is like. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, that what, it's like four or five minutes of fucking footage is that, some of the coolest shit ever. Dude, right? I'm, let me tell you, those four or five minutes, like, there's people, I follow people online. I mean, I, I watch a lot of uh, commentaries and reviews on things on, like, YouTubers that I like and stuff like that. C- very consistently, people daydream. People that like Terminator and people that like this movie, they fantasize about a future war movie just based off of those five minutes. Not uh, not the, off of fucking Terminator, Terminator Salvation, whatever the fuck that movie was. Yeah, because that was that was not it, Chief. That that um, wasn't what he what he that, showed us. That wasn't it, right? There's one scene in even in Terminator Dark Fate where they do it, but then it's yes. fucking makes no sense. It makes well, it they, stupid. Compl- it's, it's like comic booky. Dark Fate, they completely fucked the timeline. And so that's not even the thing right. that we, we know. That's not even the future that we know. Yeah. So, but, but, and that's exactly it. Like, we don't care about any of that shit. Yeah, we want to see, yeah. we want to see the, the five minutes that James Cameron did. We just want to see a whole movie of that. But yeah. that's just one example, right? There's, there's so many other things in that's, this movie. That's five minutes at the beginning yeah, of this movie. Exactly. Where we have the inception of, of, of Terminators. Yeah. We have a Terminator crush a skull. We have um, this great shot of like some kind of, the the Skynet type of flying vehicle get blown up and it's yeah, a miniature yeah. and it just looks beautiful. It looks awesome. It's just, it's just everything, yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, he creates, he does a couple, of, he does a lot of things I think that are really, he takes the great villain and he makes him a hero from the, from the first movie. Then he makes an even better, even more sort of frightening villain um, in the T-1000. And then he like, it's really crazy too because he like, he kind of, almost outpaced himself in terms of the things that he wanted to do yeah, with the he, T-1000. He's there's always stuff, doing that. Yeah, there's stuff that he couldn't even do. There, there's yeah. this, this uh, deleted scene of the T-1000 scanning John Connor's room. Um, yeah, they, I saw, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, that they cut just because I think that they... He, again, he... He just wasn't happy the, with it, with the, with well, the tech. The technology just couldn't do yeah. what he... Like, yeah. like, he wanted to like show this robot literally scanning the room yeah, and like yeah. using his hand. Like, so there would be basically equivalent today would be like some kind of CGI thing where his hands are like, I don't know, doing mm-hmm. something. And we'd be able to like, see, he's able to like see through the walls and shit. He's able to see fingerprints yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 
just couldn't do that in 1991. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, and then like it, the film is so brilliant in the way that, you know, from the setup, like if you showed, if you showed someone who knew nothing about Terminator at all, you show them this movie. Right. And so then you show like them that that's a lot. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And if you show them that scene where John Connor is like caught between the two Terminators, <laughs> you have no idea what's going to happen and you have no fucking clue. Is he, that's is he, true. Who's going to yeah. kill him? Who's the good guy? Yeah. Cause one of them's a cop and the other one's this guy we saw go fuck up a biker gang. Who's the good yeah. guy is there or are they both there to kill him? Who knows? And I um, love to the, like the, 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 the meta of like people reading into that, especially at the time in 1991, reading into the fact that Robert Patrick is a cop or the T-1000 is a cop. And he's just like this fucking unrelenting killing machine. And people were, were like starting to like the shit was bubbling up in, in, in the, in, yeah, in the media yeah. about police brutality and stuff. I mean, yeah. it's just, you cannot write that. You can't time that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the whole, yeah. I, that stuff is brilliant for sure. That stuff yeah. is brilliant. And I just, I love when this guy like does the world building, when he like takes a premise to its nth conclusion, he really is able to spell out this universe in a way that no one else is able to do. Like just no one else is able to do. To do. Yeah. <laughs> no one has. And yeah. you know, there's just so much cool stuff about how he does the stuff with, the T-1000, like I'll always bring this up. Oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a scene where the T-1000 is flying at him with a helicopter and the T-1000 sprouts two extra arms so that it can mm. reload an Uzi. Wow. Shoot at, shoot at Sarah Connor while flying this fucking plane. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this, this scene where you see a helicopter, it, it does a couple of crazy fucking things. There's like a scene, the helicopter goes over a bridge. That's right. That's that, those like, are real second. stunts, right? That's yeah. real shit. Yeah. And then yeah. it goes yeah. under the bridge. Yeah. That was real shit too. And um, people were just like, fuck that. I don't want to be anywhere near it. So Jim Cameron is the one behind the camera fucking filming that scene. <laughs> he's the guy who goes to the bottom of the ocean for, for the fun of it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a maniac. And the other thing too, I, I, James Cameron does this a lot in his movies. This movie, I think it's done really, really well. But he does these like, False ending, I guess, is you is the way you could put it, where it's like, oh, you think it's over? It's not. I'm so happy you brought that up. Go on. Because um, he does it in Aliens. So, like, you think, oh, they get away. The thing blew up. The mm-hmm. queen is dead. No, the queen was on the ship, and you got to now fight the queen. In this movie, it's Hasta La Vista, baby. He gets frozen in the uh, liquid nitrogen, which was actually liquid nitrogen on set. Another just crazy shit. It's like, well, Jim, you know, we could just have it be some water with some steam. No, no, we're- no, it has to be liquid nitrogen. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I know what I'm doing. It will be liquid nitrogen. <laughs> and so then we get again. And the way they shot that scene when he freezes, it's so brilliant because they actually got an actor who uh, didn't have his legs or whatever. And they yeah, shot I remember, I remember that, yeah. actual stuff of him. Plus close-ups of Robert Patrick, like looking at the thing mm-hmm. when he doesn't have a hand. Um, yeah, that's right. But that's not the end of the story. Like, that could have been the ending, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Asa La Vista, baby, he shatters. Game over. No, we get another another sort of ending tacked onto this where yeah. we get this massive, this 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 kind of fight. And then there's the twins. Another fun thing. Lyndon Hamilton has a twin. 
literally has a twin and she's in this movie and like a couple shots they do this one mirror shot oh yeah that's they right do, yeah, yeah yeah i remember which that, i yeah. think uh, those also cut they, they basically they that was um, cut right or because there's uh, another thing is that there's yeah there's like there's two like distinct like official versions of this movie but then there's like deleted scenes for the yeah. like director's cut so there's like even more shit yeah, yeah. even more shit yeah yeah so in that in that uh in that I've scene seen all of it yeah they're like removing some inhibitor, some bullshit. Some yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, but what's cool is they do the shot where instead of a mirror, it's Linda Hamilton. That's right. That's right. I remember watching that. I remember watching yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so really cool. cool. Yeah. And so then he uses her her twin again at the end of this film when uh, the thing is being the doppelganger, mm-hmm. uh, the T one thousand doppelganger. Um, yeah. So there's just so much cool shit that he just does like all this practical stuff. And it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Um, and I, I really, I really like, I don't, did you want to say something? Uh, Cause then I'm going to go off on a, on another tangent. I was so just going to say like, to... we, we, you talk about how like, yes, you could have had somebody else do this movie. Even if James Cameron wrote the script or whatever. Yes, you could have had like, cause there were a lot of these types of action movies in the early nineties. I'm thinking of predator too, right? You could have had just oh, a predator guy. Too, yeah. You could have had a guy do it. The studio could have made it, but when you have like a like an expert in his field do it like we were talking about carlito's way like you could make that movie but when you have a guy who like knows the minutiae that he's dealing with and especially in this case the guy who like fucking understands the world and the the science that he made up for it uh that's why i think that's why it works so well yeah totally um and he is such a you know again a detail-oriented guy perfectionist um yeah, and I, I just I really appreciate like what he did with Sarah Connor in this movie. I think that's yeah. a lot of the reason why this movie works is that she's so literally she basically just becomes a fucking terrorist. Like <laughs> yeah. she yeah. literally tried to fucking blow up Cyberdyne, uh, and they put her in the loony bin. And you know we get this exposition where like she's just <laughs> she's I basically trying scene. she's basically trying to bang whoever. Yeah, fucking She's nut job, just, crazy guy, unhinged. Yeah, like like her, <laughs> like her, like her thing on on Tinder would be like, how many guns do you own? <laughs> <laughs> into uh, into blowing up corporations. H-E-U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into into preventing the <laughs> preventing the apocalypse. Preventing the apocalypse. Yeah, I'll do like whatever. that's like her fucking headline is like preventing the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like she, yeah, she and her character, like, but she's basically given up on life. She's like, fuck it, I'm not going to see the future. And because, like, even if there is a future, like, it's the apocalypse, right? Like, she mm-hmm. believes the apocalypse is going to happen. So she's just like, fuck it. And then there's that great scene in the middle where, so she has the dream about the nuke and she goes to kill Dyson. She's wearing the fucking tactical gear and she's going to, she's going to kill this guy. Um, and she just can't do it. She can't pull the trigger and kill this innocent guy. Um, and then John and uh, the, the T-800 come to show up. And then she finally has this emotional moment where she's like, thank you for coming to stop me from, you know, ending my humanity. And then it's like, okay, well, actually there is a possibility of a future. There's a possibility that we can blow up, we can de- we can use yeah. it to destroy Cyberdyne and stop Judgment Day. Um, and then that becomes the second half of the film. Uh, yeah, I just think that's really brilliant that he was able to like, like the way, like how different she is mm-hmm. in Terminator 2 yes the first terminator it's like well i think we talked i think we talked about this a little bit the last time about how he did this with with 
I mean, I think he just kind of understands. I, 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 I'm not going to say he, James Cameron understands women. Other people have written that article and you can go read that. But, um, he does, uh, like the, the, the thing that he did, like, I'm always going to, like, I always point to the thing with, with Ripley in general, like even in the first movie, but especially in aliens, he just like, kind of, he just picked a thing. He just said like, what defines our character? Motherhood. I'll write the whole fucking movie around that. Right. Um, and then that's, that's just like a genuine, unforced normal thing that you can write onto a female character. It's just like, it's, it, you know, it's the fucking nature. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and this is kind of the same thing with this. I mean, yeah. he just, he, he happens to write a badass character that is, uh, happens to be, he just, he, he doesn't make up another guy, like another Kyle Reese or whatever. He just says, what if Sarah Connor just does it? Right. And it's like, why not? Like, why not? Why doesn't she exactly. just get sh- she she has this vision. She has this. She's so convicted. She gets shredded. And then she just, you know, like you said, fucking Tinder profile will do whatever to bring, yeah. you know, bring all of your buddies and let's uh, let's stop Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, like now I just can't stop thinking about Sarah, Sarah Connor's. Tinder, Tinder. I know. That's got to be like a Twitter account. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and what's interesting, too, is like there's an alternate ending to this where it's like kind of happier. He had this idea where he wanted it to be old Sarah Connor. <laughs> this is kind of weird. Old Sarah Connor meeting, um, what's his face? Uh, meeting Michael Bean, meeting Kyle Reese. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they shot some, they shot this thing of right. old Sarah Connor, but they scrapped that shit. They were like, ah, that's, that's, Actually, the studio didn't like that, ironically. That's um, ironic as hell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like, oh, I think this needs to be more open-ended and kind of... Huh. Well, they probably wanted a fucking sequel. Like, if you have a happy ending, you can't have... More. That's also um, true, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh... Yeah, there's... there's The more I watch the film, the more... I, I've always felt like this is my favorite film. That I think that there's just so much cool shit that he does in this movie that's just kind of just incredible. Um and the action is great. The the, oh, yeah. the the special effects, the practical effects, just all of it to me is just makes it one of the best action movies ever. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said pretty much everything that I like about it in when we talked about it last time on my list. But I want to add two things. One, you talked about how this movie has a lot of false endings, right? Uh, or, or it just has that thing that has become a thing in all of these. Like, if you have a big blockbuster action movie that's above that's longer than two hours you're gonna have one of these false ending things and i know it comes from this it comes from aliens pretty much uh but to bring it back around to the dark knight again um when i saw that movie that was that movie has a lot of fucking false endings like the when they get joker into into the uh in custody at the police station i thought that was i thought that was it if you go into that and you're thinking this is a batman movie okay they got the guy and then he, there's then a bomb put him inside in a dude's stomach. It. Yeah, right. And then, then there's a bomb inside a dude's stomach. You're like, all right, fucking crazy, whatever. And then, you know, the after the scene with where they flip the semi, you're like, okay, now the movie's over. Like, we can't possibly go anywhere from here. And then you have the fairy, right? So this movie, I feel like there's a subset of action movies that I hesitate to even put them in the same class as other action movies. Like these are kind of like the epic action movies. Cause there's action. There's a lot of action movies that I like, like a John wick or whatever. That is just like a, like a taken. That's like a transporter was on my list. That is a very straightforward fucking action movie, right? Uh, a, B and C, and then we're done. Some of these ones that have this world building around them and some of these, this other character work that's being done within the action or like alongside the action, I think is a, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's it's in a league of its own. And I think Terminator 2 does it. Dark Knight does it. Aliens does it. A couple other movies do it. Some of the Marvel's movies do it, you know. So that's, I, I want to just mention that because that's a very interesting thing to me that you brought that up. And then secondly, have you seen the 4K Blu-ray of this? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I like it. Um, yes. The stuff with Cameron and his, you know, releases. That annoys me a little bit about it. Yeah. It's a whole nother thing. Uh, I, I feel like, like I don't think it's the best 4K Blu-ray I've ever seen in my life. No, but um, but it's I mean, good. It's, it's, I, I it's think good it's to have it. It looks good. Yeah, it's 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 very clear. It's maybe not as detailed as it could be, but um, because when you're thinking like I want to see Terminator two, I want to see Terminator two and like please, like the take, Lawrence of Arabia kind of shit. exactly. I want to see okay. the Lawrence. I want to just take me back to 1991 and put my ass in a theater. But yeah. Uh, it's still it's still good. So there's yeah, there's a lot of ways to to get your hands on this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. There's like you're saying. There's there's these latest scenes. There's a director's cut. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. 4K. There's a and there's so Blu-ray. much to mine. Like every little detail that we were talking about. How like they were going to do this and they were going to do this. And then you know the 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 police allegory and then this and that. like there's so much shit to mine in this movie. You could we could talk about it for like another week. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I could talk about this film forever. I yeah. love this film so, and didn't even talk about Edward Furlong, who's like amazing. Oh movie. God, yeah, he's so good in this man. And he was like, he was fucking allegedly, he was like having like sexual relations with his like onset teacher. Like he was that much of a fucking player. I mean, granted, yeah, he had a fucked up childhood, and he is where he is now. But like, what a Hollywood story. I mean, this guy is like fucking thirteen years old. Dude, like, they picked him out of like nowhere, like literally. Based like, like literally, the person who cast him just like kind of found him, and he, he something to aspire to, I guess. If I'm going to continue doing my casting work in the real world, <laughs> yeah. I'll just pluck him and just be like, "Yeah, you look good." You know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, that's that's half the battle. Um, mm-hmm. There's some funny, <laughs> there's some funny stuff about like uh, apparently. So he he took to uh, Arnold. I mean, who wouldn't, right? fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're like no. you're like a little kid and then like you're in a movie with fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and he looks like he could eat you yeah and then <laughs> and so apparently he was like giving him like they're talking about like oh hey Arnold man like how do I get women the guys who's what you have to do is you have to get really pumped up you get pumped in get women they like that they really fucking like when you big you know I what remember, I remember and then and, and what's her name was just like dude they're they she said um Linda Hamilton was like, "Yeah, they really got along. They're both at the same intellectual level." Yeah, they're both basically fucking <laughs> fucking free teens. <laughs> yeah. So, are you gonna yeah, tell Arnold Schwarzenegger that didn't work for him after the eighties? Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even even like even like when he was just like a beefcake, massive dude. Yeah, yeah. dude was Always. swimming in it. Yeah, was swimming. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh yeah, so I, I I could say more, but uh, I think I've I've talked about as much as I need to. Yeah, we have a, there's film. a we have a lot of film. combined discussion about a Terminator Two. I'll yeah. never not love this film. I just like, mm-hmm. and again, I watched this film like, dude, I was probably like five or six or seven or something when I saw this film first time. I think I, <laughs> I rented this it. movie. I don't think I'd ever seen it. I seen the first one a lot. Like I'd seen it a lot, like back in back in Romania, like uh, it was one of those like pirated VHS movies because it was yeah. an 80s movie because uh, communism. Right. Uh, <laughs> I seen the first one a lot, but uh, the second one came out like post, like after the wall. So like just like we just fucking missed it. Uh, so I rented it from like Hollywood video or something and I watched the DVD of it. And it was one of those moments where like I was in the I, I was watching it and I was like realizing I think I was like, I don't know, my teens or something. And I was realizing like this is one of those like 
I thought this was going to be an action movie, like a bang, bang, bad, you know, bad, uh, bad guys lose, good guys win type of thing. And then it just got like really interesting and it was really long, you know, and I was really into that. Uh, so that's kind of like I make that distinction. There's like action movies and then there's like fucking highbrow, I guess, action movies, you could call them. Yeah, he he, because, yeah, you can do action movies where it's just like a guy with a gun and then he's like, oh, I yeah. got to find this fucking guy. They, they do them all thing. the time. And I love those movies and these movies, those movies are on my list. But like there's an echelon and yeah. we're going to talk about it in a second of, of those types of movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> My turn. I'll, no, I'll stop myself. All right. Cool. Um, well, I mean, you don't have to stop it necessarily. It's in no, the same I, vein. In the yeah, same yeah. vein. So my number 16 is my favorite R-rated action movie, if we're going to put it in those terms, uh, of all time. It's it's very similar length, epic, whatever. It's heat. It's the granddaddy. It's yeah. the granddaddy of all of this bullshit that we were talking about. The Dark Knight, blah, 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 blah. Heist scenes, whatever. Heat is it, Okay. You freaking, if you haven't seen Heat, if you don't want to like, if you want to just like skip all of our discussion and just like go to the thing that we keep referencing, yes. go to Heat. All right. Um, Al Pacino is in this fucking movie. Wow. Surprise. I like this movie a lot. One of the greatest Al Pacino isms of all time in this movie. Um, great ass. Uh, why, yeah. Why did I, I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she's got a great ass. And your head is all the way up it. Well, all the way up it. <laughs> Love that it's Hank Azaria, the guy who like does yeah. fifty voices on The Simpsons. It's like uh-huh. getting. <laughs> so okay, fucking heat, right? What is this movie about? This is a three-hour epic heist movie. Um, it's an LA movie, right? Similar to Terminator Two, <laughs> right? I mean. <laughs> just there's something there's something about I don't know what the fuck it is, but there's something about like heist movies or like long form multi multi act like action movies that are set place in L.A. that like could only work in L.A. for whatever reason. There's just all of the different um, microcosms of gangster are in L.A. You've got the, you know, the Latino gangs and you've got the black gangs and you've got like all of the different like kind of set dressing for this type of movie. So uh, they, they have a crew in this movie and they've got what they've got the fucking all state guy and they've got Danny Trejo. They got the all state guy. They recruit this motherfucker out of the back of a goddamn. Uh, yeah. He's, he's like fucking flipping burgers. He's like, fuck this man. Like, Hey man, you want to, you want to do a job? Yeah. yeah. You, you, I heard you're a good driver. Like, so, so this movie is like, it's, they, it, we met man. at Folsom. Yeah. Yeah. Folsom it's, it's, it's it. It's like it's like the heist movie. It's just like they recruit all of these reprobates and all of these degenerate fucking dudes that are like wasting their lives away and they want to do like one big heist or whatever. Danny uh, Trejo plays. Danny Trejo Tre- is, like he's Trejo. literally his character's yeah. name is Trejo. <laughs> well, this was um this was one of his like uh first movies. Uh it was like uh, I think this in Desperado came out the same year, but like in Desperado, he doesn't even have any lines. He's just Cuchillo. He's <laughs> yeah. the guy that throws knives. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's so good. Um, so what but what is so why does this movie why do why does it hold up? Because if it's just a, a sequence of action scenes, then you would imagine that the technology has gotten better that like we wouldn't still be talking about this like there's better action scenes in like captain america the winter soldier no no actually there it's the same 
action sequences. You, you, you ever see like the town with Ben Affleck? It's the same action sequences. It's something about the way that this was staged. So who made this movie? Michael Mann made this movie. And Michael Mann is like, obviously this is his magnum opus, but like he's the guy. He's the, everything he had ever made kind of led up to this point. He fucked around doing a couple epic big scale movies. He did Last of the Mohicans and uh, some of these other like set pieces. And then he, he, he got back to like his roots, which is just LA and just crime movies in the city. I mean, the, his first movie was thief, which is like one of the most gorgeously shot movies yeah. ever made. And then he did Manhunter, And then he did a couple of these other interesting, like uh, gritty co- concrete jungle crime kind of movies. And this is like the ultimate one. So Robert De Niro heads up. And this is the first also historic a Pacino De Niro movie the first time and this has been building up I mean they were in Godfather part two but they never had any scenes together um when are we going to see Pacino and De Niro these kind of like mythical status guys and they put them um opposite each other Robert De Niro heads the this kind of he's the the ringleader of this of of, of this gang that's gonna uh undertake this heist and then al pacino is the detective who is on his way out like you know as the trope in all of these movies he's on his way out he's about to retire whatever he's about to have a fucking baby i don't remember but his last job is to take down this career criminal that has been doing this shit and has been just like on his mind his entire life right and um everybody talk, I, even over the christmas break uh when i was telling you like uh, they were they were asking me like, so who's your favorite actor blah 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 i talked to uh somebody one of my mom's business friends we, we ended up talking about like the 90s and like music or whatever and then we ended up talking about movies because you oh you fucking you were go you work in la uh movies huh uh and then uh it break it, it came up the guy was just like you seen heat and i was like yeah dude i've seen heat and then we talked about it for a while he's like you know that scene in the in the car in the diner with pacino and De Niro. i'm like yeah dude so so i don't even i don't have to go over the plot details of this movie just watch this fucking movie caught in the middle of these two is val kilmer again at the top of his game uh in the 90s in the mid 90s such an under appreciated actor i think and uh, gives one of the best performances of his career uh and there's that great scene and it, it's all again like we were talking about it's just really well directed like you you have the guy like it's in the hands of somebody who really knows what they're going? He knows for. what the fuck they're doing. He, the, the, not not only in the in the craziness of the action sequences and the tension that you feel, because a smart thing that he does is he doesn't put music under any of the action sequences. It is just raw. It is just fucking loud. It's gunfire. It's chaotic. It's very it's very intense. Um, and so you know, dramatically, there's a lot of things going on. But like the way that things are shot, the way that things are framed. Uh, there's that great scene, and I think we've already. T- I, I'm getting deja vu. We must have talked about this scene in some other discussion we had, where Val Kilmer goes to to get his girlfriend, basically to get the fuck out of Dodge, and uh, she's on the balcony, and she's got the entire FBI in her apartment yeah, ready yeah. to fucking get this guy, mm-hmm. and she just gives him like one look. Yeah, right? well, she does like this, or she does she does this or whatever. Yeah, and he just like gets it. So he gets it. Yeah. There's a lot of good. There's it's just those, those great like story moments are in this movie Mm -hmm. as well. So uh, anyways, I need to shut the fuck up about heat, but uh, I love this movie so much and it's for all these reasons. And uh, Al Pacino's like his entire, like his quest throughout this movie is so fascinating to follow. Like all of the different like informers that he goes to and like the leads (laughs) that he follows again, the Hank Azaria scene. (laughs) There's a, there's a lot like he, he goes like he knows a guy who knows a guy who then ends up knowing this, right. the actual fucking villain in this movie, Wayne Grove, 
Rangro, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck the dude's name is. Uh, who, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who like fucks up the job and then uh, gets away, and <laughs> and Robert De Niro has to kill him. He's like, fuck this guy, I have to kill this guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and like another one of my favorites is like I forget who it is, but they're going after somebody, and then and they got some like like where's this guy? Like who who who? Are you a fucking owl? <laughs> who, <laughs> who? You a fucking owl? <laughs> um, but I feel like so. Who? Who's? Who do you think this movie? Is? Do you think this is? Um, do, who do you think is the protagonist? Of this? Do you think it's uh, the cop, or do you think it's the? Um, do you think it's uh, the thief? It's hard to say um, I, because I they give them equal, equal screen time. And they, I well, think it's the thief. I think I it's th- the thief, and I think it's a tragedy about. Yeah. He he could have gotten away if he didn't kill Wangro. Yeah. If he just let it go, and even yeah. what's his name, John Voight on the phone's like, "Yeah, I found him, but you're not gonna go after him, right?" Oh yeah, of course. And he's like, "Look at the time." And he's yeah. Like, I gotta kill this guy. And it's and it's uh, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, because I because they do set up. They spend uh, especially in the second half of the movie, they spend a lot of time with De Niro and his girlfriend, played by the absolutely fucking incredible uh, Amy Brenneman. Uh, I, I love her in like everything she's in. Uh, she's not in too many things. It's another one of those situations. Yeah, it's another one of but, those. But uh, she's so consistently great in everything. Um, so yeah, like we do. What I like about it's like it gives equal time to both sides, and it doesn't necessarily. It's not cliched or like hackneyed in the way that it presents the villains and the good guys. It's just kind of like everybody's yeah, yeah. just doing in their own shit. <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we should talk about Natalie Portman's in this movie. Natalie Portman she's is like in this movie. Really good and like yeah. very tragic character. She was, yeah, she was on her way. I mean, fucking yeah, Leon and then Heat. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, just killing, killing it. Um, yeah. yeah, this has a this has a really great cast, and they're just so like like that first. Again, we're talking about the Dark Knight. I mean, the Dark Knight is this movie. Fucking what's his name? William Fitchner is in both of these movies. In the Dark Knight, Dude, and that, that was a he, that was a blatant like he knows. That was what he's so doing. yeah, the bank teller. Yeah, they, they he knows what he's doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like that's you know, like we we see it. I see you, yeah. Chris. Yeah, I you see know, you. Like, <laughs> you know, I know exactly yeah. what you're doing, and yeah, that's that's what that was about. It's like you know, he yeah, he plays this this fucking. Oh, I love that phone call that he has with De Niro. Where he's like, yeah, I'm talking to a dead man, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just never leaves his uh his little little whatever he's, he's yeah. up there in his pen, in, in, at work he never leaves work because he's afraid about getting killed by these guys who are like for real um yeah just that that first heist that they do is so cool so fucking cool. where they they know the the brinks truck is coming yeah they, the, 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 the initial heist yeah when they yeah. when they rob the brinks truck it's so uh, cool and the way that they yeah. set it up yeah the, to, the, to derail it and then the truck flips or whatever yeah yeah, and like the the tactical nature of it too, right? Because it feels real. Again, yeah, it doesn't feel like a like when again when we say action movie, we think Fast and Furious, and we think stupid. And this movie, this this set of movies are not stupid. All of the action feels really grounded mm-hmm. and and kind of uh, yeah. as as close to real like as as possible. To, yeah, to well, get also these characters because then again, like Wayne Grove. Dude fucking goes off the handle and he shoots this cop when they don't yeah, even need that's right. to, mm-hmm. and that sets up this whole this whole thing basically. Yeah, and it's about like, like you're right. It's about De Niro and how he's just the unprofessionalism just fucking eats at him. Yeah, he's just like fucking Wangro, dude. Yeah. I fucking have to kill this guy. Yeah, and he throws it all away because mm-hmm. he he has to kill this guy, and you know, kind of glad he killed him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, unfortunately for him, that, that led to net, him net, dying. Yeah, net positive for humanity, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because then because then like michael mann's like okay you you dislike this guy let me make you really hate him let me show you the scene where he's like got fucking the nazi tattoos and in, the, in the in the hotel room or whatever yeah, yeah. and and yeah. he's banging some black prostitute and then he kills yeah. her oh my god i know oh yeah Oof. let me yeah. really make you hate this guy yeah because then you're like yeah kill him fucking kill mm-hmm. him yeah mm-hmm. kill mm-hmm. him yeah, so what does he say to him when he kills him? Like, he says something to him, I forget. I don't remember. But he basically says, he says, like, look at me or some shit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, he wants him to know. <laughs> like, he wants him to really know, like, who killed him. Uh, it's brilliant, man. This, I saw, I they need to, I know at some point they're probably going to do, like, a legit 4K release of this. Yes. I, I think, don't think I they mean, have yet. They haven't. I've seen, because there's a lot of people, like, out there on the internet, they, like, make these... AI blown oh, up. Oh, upscales or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I've seen some versions of Flight Club like that and seven like that. I think there's uh-huh. one of I believe. So what what I what I heard was that they did a special edition 4K of this that was like only on iTunes or some shit like that. Like of heat? I believe so. Yeah, some people were saying that. Interesting. But it was not a physical release. There's not a physical 4k release yeah 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 it's like um oh but but here's the other thing too so then they (laughs) so this is what these motherfuckers did supposedly uh so they said oh heat 4k special edition okay you're right they they bought it yeah 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 they bought it right and so you bought it on itunes and these motherfuckers pulled the chair out from under them so they switched the file they then made that a 1080p file why (laughs) i don't know dude that's what i was reading that they did (laughs) So they, they say, oh, it's not 4K. It's just a special edition. Uh, yeah. Probably. It's very confusing. It's very, it's- very confusing because there is, it came out maybe two years ago and I bought it. There was a, a Blu-ray reissue of this called the Director's Definitive Edition or whatever, where Michael Mann went in and he, he moved some stuff around. It's, it's still like a three hour long movie. He didn't like add too much. He just like moved some things around. Um, so obviously watch that version. It's fine. But the 4K UHD shit I'm looking at you can't really tell which is which because you would imagine if Michael Mann went in and he re-edited shit like a couple years ago, then that would be the f- the 4K scan of that would be the, the 4K UHD one that you can buy. But you can buy Heat UHD on Amazon, but then there exists Heat Director's Definitive Edition 4K on like other streaming sites like Voodoo or whatever. So I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Uh, iTunes is, uh, I think, no longer has it. But uh yeah, it looks like iTunes doesn't have the the 4K one at all anymore. But uh, I don't. I'm looking at it now. But yeah, it's um, figure that shit out, Fox. All right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, it's not even Fox anymore, right? Does well, fucking does the Empire own this? Does Disney own this thing? Technically, yes. I wonder if that's good or bad for the. Prospects. I don't think it's good. <laughs> I don't think it's good. <laughs> but I mean, regardless of of all that stuff, it's just. It's just so good. It's such a good crime movie. And it's like the crime movie that every other crime movie like wants to be. It's and it's different. Again, it's different. It's not super stylized in that way. It's stylized, obviously. It's but it's it's more in like a neo noir kind of way. More in like a subdued, down on their luck kind of guy way, or like man against the world type of thing. Uh it's it's unlike Carlito's way, which is still like bombastic and like wild. Uh, but that's still like it's it, you know, it's got its own thing going for it. Um, this is just kind of the blueprint. This style of action is kind of the blueprint that if you're going to have like a, a longer than two hour movie that has action sequences in it, this is kind of what they're doing, you know. 
uh, we're, we're shooting everything from as, as far away as we can. Uh, or when necessary, we're getting in so you can be there with the characters, but we're not shaking the camera and doing all this crazy shit. It's like all very well orchestrated. I mean, this this film was is going to forever be known. It's going to, yeah, this just, movie you know, is... Just just that, that scene in the diner alone. In the diner, yeah. Didn't need to be anything. Like, this movie could just be that scene. And then... Yeah. The yeah, ending, the ending is also like really cinematic. The ending is so good, dude. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, on the uh, airport, the yeah. tarmac. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and like all the lights and shit. Yeah, and well, that's 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 that's, that's just Michael Mann's thing. And that thank you for bringing that up. That's a lot of there's a lot of night city stuff in this movie, and that's what well, he, yeah. There's all those shots like they're at uh, what's his name, like Rob De Niro's house, and it's him and. The girlfriend, with the, with the girlfriend looking, looking at the, at the balcony. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got this beautiful, that beautiful. It's, place it's so melancholic. Lives. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I love it because that's that's what he does best. Michael Mann loves to do the fucking uh, the saturated or the subdued or like just like the night city stuff again he did the first hannibal movie ever and it's like all primarily just takes place in fucking dirty city alleyways and stuff so like that's the kind of stuff and and thief is very much like i mean thief is like the most like fucking just colors and just night and just uh like rain-soaked streets you know that like uh reflect the the street lights or whatever you know there's shit like that you you get what i'm trying to say oh yeah 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 um yeah heat masterpiece yeah uh-huh. Like straight up master. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end it. Okay. So my number 16 is saving private Ryan. Uh, I heard of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is pretty incredible. Um, this is like, so he had done Schindler's list before this. I feel like this is another sort of, uh, I guess the, I don't know what the fuck serious Spielberg or like the mature mm, Spielberg. They mm. get all these fucking weirdo names for it. As if this guy who's like, they do. What, they do, yeah. They do. Oh, so so this is like he went through a serious phase where he made uh, Schindler's List and Amistad and yeah. fucking yeah. Okay, <laughs> he was sure just like the fucking oh, okay. right. <laughs> like yeah, like you start making movies about sharks. like 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 in a way, sure the guy who made Duel matured, but like come on, <laughs> like it's, it's it's fucking bullshit. But but <laughs> like he really shows like again, these films are just like, un fucking believable like how he depicts i mean the I, I i love this whole movie a lot of people talk just about the d-day storm in the beach yeah, scene yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is which is some of the most incredible cinema you're gonna yes. you're gonna see yeah i mean it it is like and from what people have said it is it is accurate too what some human beings actually went through i am i am a little annoyed and let me let me just say this real quick. That D-Day scene is so good. I mean, it is so like unattainably high caliber yeah. that for the next five years, I feel like, because then Spielberg and Tom Hanks, they did Band of Brothers and like all these other World War II series started popping up because this was popular. And then even in video games, like World War II video games oh, popped man. off because because no, because Spielberg set it up at DreamWorks Interactive to make Medal of Honor. And then that became yeah. something. Medal of Honor mm-hmm. then became Call of Duty, whatever. Yeah. Um, but that D-Day scene is in everything I just mentioned. Like it is that like the D-Day scene just becomes this thing of like when you think of World War Two, yes. <laughs> you don't you don't have the actual like real footage in your mind or like pictures of it. Or maybe you have like the V-Day picture or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> 
but it's like primarily you think of Saving Private Ryan yeah. and like all of the derivatives. And so that annoys me a little bit that it's so good that all we can think of about like retroactively, it's just like erased World War II. And we just like imagine that's all there was to it is this D-Day scene. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because, like, from an American, like, this is this is from his the curse. American, exactly. Yeah, this is his curse. He's so good at cinema that he imprints ideas into people's brains, into the literally into the consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And so then, it, and that's that's to me again why cinema is so powerful. Like, that's what it is yeah. about. You can take something that people don't know or don't understand, or like, like what's that? And then like you can have someone do it in a way that replicates that, so that it's 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 seared into your mind yeah it, and that's what this film really does um I, I i really like this film even even beyond that like i i really think that i forget who the dp for this is but they oh it's fucking, a, it's his guy it's his guy yeah. i forget what his name is uh the guy who yeah. shot schindler's list and fucking everything else mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, forget, I forget that guy's name uh but they really kill it with the way that they photograph this with the steady cams and all that kind of stuff and they um, had to yeah they had to um but really invent a lot of the, the, that stuff. Not necessarily like invent Steadicam or whatever, but just like, because I, I watched some of the behind the scenes shit that's on the 4K edition uh, where they have just like B-roll. They have like a lot of just B-roll, like 20 minutes on the set or whatever. And like they had to like really get creative with like, they built the set around the camera movements and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, they, they do a like really great job. And like, uh, to me, the thing that works so well with this film is like, how much you really just care for these, at least for me, I really care for the characters. Like I'm really like invested in their. That's, Sp- that's Spielberg, baby. Yeah. That's 100% Spielberg. If, if nothing, if the action sequences weren't top notch, it was always, you're always going to feel that you're going to get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside when Tom Hanks mm-hmm. says like, ah, oh, we do it for our country or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when they, uh, but we're going to, we're going to get this boy. <laughs> They have to do that mission where they, they got to take out scenes or whatever. Uh-huh. And they're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he's like, yeah. no, we got our, our, our mission is to, to defeat Hitler and win the war. Over yeah, right, stuff. right, 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 right. Cast is amazing in this too, right? Yes. Like there's so many every time you're like, like, oh, he's in it. He's in it. He's in it. He's, uh, in, it. he's in it. Fun fact, Tom Sizemore in this movie and Heat and yeah. True Romance. Good, good. And no, sorry. Uh, Natural Born Killers. Good run for him on this top 100. Good run, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a part of him being in this film was they were like, you can't do coke. And if you do coke, we're going to take all your money away and we're going to kick you out. And bas- bas- I think I think basically like it was like, if you if you fuck around and do coke while we're doing this movie, you yeah. will never No, you're right. Again. You're right. <laughs> like yeah. that that's that's a different level than like oh you can't you can't do that that's yeah, like no, yeah 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like don't fuck with me I'm just, he, he well he ended up he ended up fucking it up later down the line anyways too yeah like he, if you want to fuck up later down the line later we fine. don't care but like if you're in this movie <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not like everyone didn't want to be in this movie right oh um, yeah everyone wanted to be in this fucking movie um our guy what's his name well not our guy but like uh yeah. um, diesel yeah, Vin Diesel is in this movie. <laughs> That's my guy. Um, Vin Diesel is in this movie. This is Brazil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other half of Ben Affleck uh, is in this movie. Oh, Damon. Uh, yeah, yeah, Matt Damon. They yeah. got to save Matt Damon. Um, yeah. yeah, there's just so much. Giovanni it, Ribisi in this movie. One of the Giovanni one of his Ribisi. best performances. I mean, so heartbreaking. So good. Yeah. Uh, Barry Pepper in this movie is so good as the Barry sniper Pepper. in the fucking tower. Who's the, guy, who's the guy who plays the Jewish guy in this movie? I forget. Oh, I forget. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's killed with a knife. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, yeah. He's 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 great. He's really great. Um, the Jewish. Guy. There's oh, a Adam, lot. Adam Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, Adam Goldberg. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's fucking mm-hmm. great. The Hebrew Hammer. 
Yeah. <laughs> the Hebrew hammers in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot to love, and I, you know, I don't know. I just like every time I, 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 I was uh, last year. I was like in in L.A. for some convention kind of thing, and it was actually Memorial Day last and year. Of course. Mm, well, 2019. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I was, uh, and of course they play like this is the other thing too, right? They play this movie every Memorial Day. Somewhere, oh, oh. somewhere that this movie's playing the History Channel or HBO or somewhere. Yeah, it's it's part of the same thing. It just becomes it's it's the best, most high fidelity recreation of a thing that we have, and so it's just going to be the thing. It's going <laughs> to be know? the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like watching this movie, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch a little bit of it. No, Whatever. you can't. <laughs> and this is like with commercials too, and there's fucking commercial breaks, mm-hmm. and I'm still like, okay, I can't. I'm watching the movie now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this was a great this was a great period. Like the 90s was really like when Tom Hanks like because because in the 80s, he was like the goofy comedy. He was the goofy, the 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 splash guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like uh, big. What, what was the what was the one? Yeah. Big. What was the one that he did? Uh, it was like something about the neighborhood, like their neighborhood. Oh, the burbs, the burbs. Yeah, that was him. The burbs. The burbs. Yeah. And this, and, but in the 90s, when he did, he did this. Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Like, this, it started pretty much, and yeah. then Forrest Gump, and then all Forrest Gump. Shit. Yeah. yeah, so so he won, you know, best actor two years in a row. That, I think, yeah, that the the nineties is when Tom Hanks became America's Tom Hanks. Yeah, he became a, <laughs> and really this movie too, because like again, yeah. when you're the guy who gets seen and you're like, you know, he becomes the avatar, the avatar yeah. of the gener of that generation, basically. Yeah. That's, Again, like the really shot, like the shot, the, the in the beginning of the movie, the shots on his face when uh, before you know the landing on D Day when they're in the boat or whatever is like really, really like movie star, like powerful stuff. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like you can almost imagine someone like Humphrey Bogart or someone. Yes, like, yes, I, I think if, so. If, if they shot this movie in the forties, it would be Humphrey Bogart. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. I kind of want to see that movie now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They did. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but they did the Longest Day, which is some like. Crazy. They did. Listen, there's so many fucking World War II movies from like the 40s and 50s that I like. I've only scratched the surface on, but I feel like again, this is the one that it was made in the 90s. It was made recently enough to where like the technology was just kind of there, and we can have that scene spliced out and put in every just everywhere. Yeah, there's something too about to me the look, the style, and the feel of this film is is different than any any other type of film that approaches this. because well, it's, it, it's, it's very desaturated. It's very like unsexy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the look is desaturated. The way yeah. that the camera kind of floats around. Yeah. Um, uh, Janusz Kaminski, by the way. Yeah. 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 He's mm-hmm. fucking master. Master. So good. So good. <laughs> it's gotta be great when you when you reach a point in your career where you work with one guy and that's your yeah. whole well, thing. I don't know if uh, I don't know how how big of a fan you are of Munich. It's my favorite Spielberg movie. But uh, I like. In, it. I think. I think. I think Munich is. Maybe his most well-directed film. Uh, That's probably there's there's a couple shots in Munich where him him and, and Janusz they do this scene like a when you know like there, there's a lot of people in, in phone booths talking and they do so many fucking amazing like really cool camera movements. There's a shot of like on a car on like the back of a car and it's like reflecting the action and it's like all happening in the reflection and then they come around and then the camera moves. I mean Spielberg and camera movements is like. Yeah unfuckwithable i think no I, I like munich for sure um is 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 like a master class like you could just right. watch that movie and mm-hmm. if you could actually understand the principles of what they were doing 
Yeah. Because like they're that basically is just a fucking spy movie. Yeah. And a lot of like walk and talk and a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, so how do you make right? So how do you make boring shit cinematic? Yeah, it's absolutely one of those. They're like But you don't notice it. It's like like when you don't notice in fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark when he goes and he visits what's his face in the house and they they keep moving the camera through the house. They never cut. You don't notice it because he's so good at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I I I really uh yeah, like the first time I saw it, it was a fucking day. Because like those opening scenes are like incredible. But then actually the, making us invest in these characters. Yeah. It's weird. Know? It's it's almost like an adventure movie, but like of like horrific things. <laughs> you know, and you're you're still you're you're being pulled through it by these characters. Totally. Um yeah. So that's my number sixteen is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and special shout out to uh, the Sapphire series, whatever, ultimate Blu-ray, 4K, 4K Blu-ray of this movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. But uh, I, I've seen a 4K, yeah. It is. I, well, that's probably the one that exists, but still, like, the 4K disc of this is awesome. <laughs> it is a sight to behold. It is. Uh, this yeah. came out at the same time as the Gladiator 4K, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's quite as strong like visually, but like, again, yeah. just something about that, like gray muted, yes. uh, depressing. Cause like they did kind of the same thing in Schindler's list. Um, it's just so effective and the movie it is so good. And the action it sequences is. are so smart. Yeah. I love this movie so much. I'm glad you yeah. brought it up. Cool. Cool. All right. So yeah. What's uh, your number 15? Oh yes. My, my number, I was like, how far are we? My number 15 is okay. Time to put the kids to bed. I'm sure. I mean, nobody's fucking here two hours and a half in anyways, but, uh, (laughs) time, time to put the kids to bed. All right. We're going to talk about some nasty stuff. We're going to talk about some ewe gooey stuff. Uh, my number 15 is, uh, and I just rewatched it last night and it absolutely is one of my favorite movies ever. I finally watched the 4k HDR version of David Cronenberg's crash. Uh, that's my number 15. Uh, and first of all, the the scan of it, I've seen this movie like a lot. I've seen this movie many fucking times. I, I'm just, I'm, that's like a pathic. I'm sorry. Um, this looks awesome. I, it's like the ultimate dream for a, fa- for, for a movie that is this niche and just like kind of not okay <laughs> to be watching yes. casually. Um, to have like this high level of a restoration, it just, it just, it fills my heart with joy. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is this? How do I describe this movie? It's the reductive way to describe it would be to say it's sex and car crashes. That's that's the thing that's on the the, the box, the DVD box. Uh, there's two. Well, there's multiple versions of this movie, but primarily when this movie came out, it was like, hell no, you're not releasing this goddamn movie. And even if you are, it's going to be NC-17 and they were cool with it. Um, but there is <laughs> a cut. And well, they were cool and like, letting that version exist, but then they had, they made an R rated version as well for theaters. Uh, so that's the, the version that came out and I it's, it's, it may sound weird, but if you remove some of the extreme sex stuff from this movie, the movie doesn't work. Like if you remove some of that stuff, then you're, you're, you're get, you're like 90% of the way there. And it's really like schlocky and it almost feels kind of pornographic and you're just like why am i watching this if you don't put that last 10 percent in there to like really sell the idea of just how fucking degenerate these people are i don't think this movie works again i just rewatched it last night and i feel like i have a, a much better understanding of the, the obviously the story but like kind of what he was trying to do so what's cronenberg's entire like mission statement is just like bodies machines 
and how they like interact with each other, how they change each other. There's a great, there's a fucking, there's a very funny line in this movie. Uh, I wonder if I can find it. Um, hold on. Okay. Well, it's, it's not on here, but, uh, there's a great line in this movie where like one of the characters, uh, so James Spader is the, the main character of this movie. Uh, Elias Coteas is, uh, kind of the villain i guess of this movie uh he's like the guy that it, it kind of introduces him to this world well holly hunter introduces him to this world but he's kind of the guy that like pulls him through it so this guy is upset he's just this fucking freak and he's obsessed with celebrity car crashes and deaths and uh so first of all the movie is based on a book a novel by jg uh i think it's jg ballard i think is the guy's name uh yes uh so the, the novel itself is controversial the movie itself is controversial uh what is it about it's so James Spader is a TV film producer, maker, whatever. It's not really important. It's not explained. And uh, he is clearly like a sexual deviant, like not necessarily oh, a deviant, yeah. but he's just there's a lot of sex, like from the jump. Everybody's just fucking in this movie, yeah. just like nonstop. And so you get the idea that like, OK, so these people are already like. But the funny thing is that like he's he's fucking everything. His wife is fucking everything. But when it comes to fucking each other, they have some problems, right? They just like. You know, like there's that great scene in the, the the beginning of the movie where he gets home from work, and what did he do at work? He was just like eating some camera operator's ass or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> so he gets home, and then his wife is like fucking some dude at the airport, and then yeah. he gets home, and then uh, like the first thing is he's just like, "Did you come?" And he's like, yeah. "Nah, did, did, yeah. did you?" And she's like, "Nah." And he's like, "Ah, maybe next time." <laughs> it's just like, "Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! What kind of fucking relationship that, is this?" That's the oh, that's like. Here's here's what we're getting into. Yes, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and there's so they yeah they just can't. The only way that they can kind of feel that passion for each other is to talk about like other people doing stuff, doing nasty stuff. There's a great, yeah. great, I think, great monologue halfway through this movie where he's having sex with his wife and she's just like will not shut the fuck up about like semen and like this dude just like blowing his load and 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 his ass. Never mind. So <laughs> it's not that important. Um, so Cronenberg has this like obsession, I feel like, because I've seen all of his movies. So like he he had done Dead Ringers, which is about gynecologist twins. So like he's got obsession with like, <laughs> yeah, he's got obsessions with like scientific terms for things. Because when they like when they describe the sex stuff in this movie and there's a lot of sex stuff, it's like always in anatomical terms. They don't say words like cock or dick or like any like dirty kind of words. They're just like, Oh yeah. Like you, would you, would you suck his penis? And they're like, it just feels, it just feels weird. Like it just feels yeah. like wrong. It feels like you hearing third graders talk about this stuff. And I think it's deliberate. And so ultimately it's about, it's, it's an erotic movie technically about how for some people, the devastating, uh, like, power the energy that is created during car crashes is like sexual energy that is released for these people and it and they take it have you seen the whole thing yet no i haven't seen the whole thing okay yet. i'm not gonna i don't know if you ever will but i'm not gonna necessarily spoil <laughs> it but there's there's a there's a great cronenbergian moment where there's this character played by rosanna arquette who she can't use her legs anymore she both of her legs are basically in stilts like permanently uh and he helps james spader helps her basically because the only way that any of these people, there's like a group of them. And the only way that any of them can get off in any capacity is in cars or in cars that have been crashed. And so there's a great scene where he takes her to like a dealership and uh, she's like clearly just like completely disabled. But she's wearing this like skimpy outfit and she like bends over the car and like the, the skirt like hikes up around her ass. And you see on her thigh, 
on the back of her thigh is this like grotesque, very Cronenbergian, like uh, kind of open cut open wound of like where where like her leg had been split open and it just kind of like healed that way yeah. and it's like a, it's like an opening almost it's like a gaping thing and it's again very Cronenbergian and just like Cronenberg would probably shove his fist in that thing right and then later on in the movie like spoilers like somebody fucks it so <laughs> so that's all you need that, that's all I'm gonna say all right that's all I'm gonna say that's why I love this movie because it is unafraid it is unashamed about like the marriage of like in this case sex and machines and how machines are able to they they like in they combine with people in a way like you know what i'm talking about like the way that he yes. did like stuff in videodrome and the way that he mm -hmm. did stuff in some of his other movies like the the videotape in videodrome that's like breathing mm -hmm. that's basically what this movie is except it's like cars and sex basically it's like human kind of sexual energy uh being uh manifested by cars so like there's so many shots of just cars and you hear them creaking and there's steam coming out of them and it's just like the cars are almost like alive and they're breathing uh and these again the only way these people can do anything is to have sex in cars so the ultimate kind of through line of the movie is that he needs to repair this relationship with his wife and the only way by doing that is by going further into degeneracy by joining this like car sex cult and he gets his wife into it and for a while everything is great and they're both fucked up and they both have bruises but it's like great but then that runs out and then then what's the next thing and then so like it's kind of about addiction almost it's yeah. just like you find your thing and then you keep doing the, the adrenaline thing. addiction it, yeah. yeah and it doesn't matter like how much it damages you physically because everybody in this movie gets like destroyed physically <laughs> but like it's worth it to them because they need that fix. It's a very interesting movie. And I think, I mean, I'm honestly say, I honestly believe that because again, you could watch it and you could just say like, it's just a bunch of sex scenes and cars, but if, I mean, it's not like Cronenberg doesn't know what he's doing. So yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting one and it's high up on my list, not necessarily for the depravity, but just the mood that it sets the score by Howard Shore is like very like noir. The whole movie is very noir. It's a lot of it's all nighttime. It's a lot of just steamy cars, steamy alleyways. James Spader, there's a couple shots of him in this movie. It just looks like a fucking movie star. Like there's a couple shots where he's just like framed and there's the night city behind him. And there's like all this smoke coming up and it's just like very noir. Uh, very cool. And again, it's like a no, it's like something that I would have liked to see in a forties movie where we have like all of the trappings of the noir stuff, but we're able to get into the full on, uh, to show us all of the gross stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I've yeah. talked enough about it. I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. I'll have to finish that movie. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot. This is, th this movie is like one of the ultimate, just like sex, 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 sex. It's, it's uh, a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a lot, but like, but, but like not, you know, because like you could just watch it. I mean, you, we live yeah, in the you, age of the internet where there's like hella porn, but this is like, like you said, there's, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a, a method there's, to what he's trying to do. He's trying to like communicate an idea of of human sort of, I guess, obsession. Yeah, there's kind of there's a thematic uh, element to each one of the 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 sex scenes, basically, because like. It's like every character kind of stands for something and has their own history and then they all fuck each other. <laughs> and then like by 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 the way that like 
kind of he takes you through it you kind of understand like oh we're at this point in the addiction or we're at this point in yeah. the degeneracy no they're not gonna do uh you know <laughs> there's so there's there's that yeah. so yeah all right so my number 15 is a 2001 a space odyssey um <laughs> very <laughs> very different this, this is a fun like whoop yeah whoop I mean, we, we did talk about, uh, what was it? I think it was a couple weeks ago. We talked about Clockwork Orange. That's yeah. kind of closer to Crash, but yeah. It is closer, um, yeah. yeah. So 2001 uh, is a very interesting, um, <laughs> especially when you when you see like basically where the genesis of this film was and then seeing where basically Kubrick took the, the wh- where he started to where this ended. Um, because... Pretty much on the face of it, this film is just about the human race interacts with some alien, you know, thing, and so they 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 find this thing's obelisk, which is which is you know basically the aliens sent out into the universe to find other life forms. I guess. I guess. Uh, we don't we don't we don't totally know um, for sure. But the idea, but the idea is really strong. The idea is super strong. Like you, yeah. like you don't have to explain it because there's no dialogue. You just, you, you see monkeys and monkeys are like figuring yeah. shit out, but they're monkeys or dumb monkeys. <laughs> yeah, basically you see monkeys, monkey, uh, monkey fight over well, monkey fight over water, monkey yeah. lose. Yeah, the monkeys then they're cold and one of them gets jumped by a fucking leopard. Yeah, uh, which is pretty cool. And it's and what's cool about this is and what I love about this movie is like it's a kind of a cold open. Is like, yeah, it's 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's going to be a space movie. And then the first like 20 minutes of it is monkeys. And you're like, what the fuck? This film, it doesn't really have characters, right? Yeah. I mean, there's 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 no like protagonist. There's just. No, no. There, there's basically just stand-ins for different humans. Yeah. Like human yeah. being, the human being is the protagonist. Well. But it's human being over millions of years. So like, I can't really connect with a fucking monkey. I, I don't, <laughs> I haven't read the novel, but I would, I would bet that Kubrick's 2001 doesn't have characters, but like, I'm sure the novel does. Uh, because there is a 2010 and like Dave comes back and, and all this shit. Like there's a little more plotty. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was some Hollywood shit. Um, I, I haven't read well, the I novel. I think it's a novel either. too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, what's his yeah. name? Arthur C. Clarke. He was fucking yeah. prolific. It's yeah. Awesome. So, it's, like, at a certain point in sci-fi, you got to make up like fucking dumb plot shit. But there's no plot shit in this movie. The, well, really. there, there's a, there. Not really. The the closest thing to plot is like that stuff in 2001 where they're like, oh, we found this thing on the fucking moon. Yeah. You know, right, and we get right. very plotty for like ten minutes. And ten minutes, like, and then it just it. drops it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and yeah, the rest is like this Jupiter mission kind of thing mm. and Hal and all this other stuff. But yeah, I mean, this this basically like the kind of the conceit of this is like there's some force that there's is there's something guiding, that is pushing things to evolve, basically guiding yeah. human evolution and like, yeah, sending it to the next level. And then, you know, you can get into these theories about maybe Hal goes rogue because Hal is like trying to like evolve and there's this battle for. I don't know, supremacy or something. Who knows? Anyway, like what's good about this movie is like you get some of the like most incredible like cinema ever. I mean, the stuff like I'll, like it's it's I think it's hard for a lot of people to really consume this. Mm. I mean, especially now. Like I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. So I, I would think someone now like you, you see that opening scene is just like dudes in a suit that are monkeys they just <laughs> like i swear to god i bet you i i would love to see i would love to well, it gets have worse them. it gets worse after he throws well, the bone then we're just like watching space in silence 
for like a long ass time. That's that's probably my favorite part of the film. Is, Ooh, no, is, no, 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 no. But I mean, I'm not saying it like, no, well, I love I, it. I'm I just think, saying for like a I, general audience, you're probably like, where is this going? I think, I think the beginning is worse because like, you can't, you can't feel anything like, like, and he's deliberate. He's like, I'm going to spend 20 minutes of just monkeys doing whatever. And then mm-hmm. you get the obelisk. Mm-hmm. Then it, then it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, it's just like, you have no idea. I feel like I feel like I would love to have them put this on Netflix and then see like I'd love to get the stats, <laughs> the stats. of like, when, yeah, people when people fucking drop check out. out. Yeah, <laughs> put this shit on the front page and mm-hmm. let me see because mm-hmm. that's what they know that shit. They, they, yeah, yeah, they do. They no, they absolutely do. Yeah, I would love to see that. But um, if you can if you can bear through it, like it really is some incredible cinema. Yeah. just like pure no, imagery. It's it is Pure it is images. one million percent as impressive as any of the David Lean stuff that we talked about. I mean, and, and even if not more, right? No one's ever done that kind of movie, but like in space, uh, and especially back then, like in '69. This is this movie is the reason that so many people believe in the conspiracy theory that like the moon landing is fake, and they would just shot it on a soundstage because this movie looks as good as it does, as convincing as it does. And they had a lot of scientists on board, and they had a lot of like. They really were very meticulous about like, oh, there's no sound in space because, you know, there's no air and sound can't travel. We're just going to make it completely fucking silent. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not a very Hollywood thing to do. In fact, that is not a Hollywood. It's an anti-Hollywood thing, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. And um, yeah, I mean, fuck, I don't have to tell you about it. Yeah, it's really, I, 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 yeah, I feel like that that sequence of uh, the docking of this uh, (laughs) fucking Pan Am spaceship. Yeah, that's a that's a reference for you, people. People today, like, what the fuck is Pan, Pan Am? Pan Am, what? <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I just like with that uh, with that the music that plays. It's just like so beautiful. Yeah, um, I really, really, really love that sequence. And like, you know, again, this is just another one of those. We talked about it with Metropolis. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of basically the same technology that they yeah. made Metropolis. They made this movie. It's a lot of matte paintings, a lot of miniatures, it's a lot of. Uh, Forget what they call they. I I I'll have to look it up. But it's like named after this German guy where you, you use a reflection to uh, take basically take um, like today we would use a green screen, but back then they you'd have to use a fucking mirror to like mirror. Um, so like if you see someone in a miniature, it's like a an airplane. Or it's like a spaceship, and you see people like operating it. That's actually a mirror <laughs> reflecting. Yeah the people into this thing yeah there's there's gotta be there's i think there's books dedicated to all of the techniques that went into making this movie i mean it is truly like moment by moment it is like awe like it's like draw if you're into movie stuff like it's jaw dropping minute by minute how they did and again this is another this i mean this movie influenced basically everything and everybody but like this is another one of those things that like you could tell is at the very forefront of Christopher Nolan's mind when he's making his shit, especially when he made Interstellar. He's just like, I can do all of this with sets and movie magic. I don't need CGI, right? And of yeah. course, that's dying out super hard. But like, what a testament, right? This movie to to the totally. old techniques. Totally, and it looks it just it's so beautiful. Um, and yeah, there's just so many like again, he's just. He's so good at composing shots. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, there are yeah. just so many shots where the composition is just totally perfect, and it just sticks in your mind forever. Um, yeah, and like you know, you could do this with drugs or without drugs. <laughs> like, there's oh sure, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot to contemplate about this film. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, I saw mm-hmm. this thing actually. It was kind of funny. Um, 
I saw this interview that he did with this Japanese guy where he basically talks about what the per what like his what he was trying to do with this film like thematically and like lays it all out. Um, Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, which is, go which on. is kind of funny, like some random ass dude. Uh, yeah, like that because that like this this film is very talked about. Like if I had like films that are highly theorized, this is way up. This is like top five. Like films with deep yeah. theories. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like top five of all time are like things that really have puzzled people about what <laughs> when you get into the stuff where he goes somewhere and through something. And we oh, see, I love that. I love that yeah. so much. The, dude, the first time, when did you, okay, what was the first time you actually like sat down and watched this movie? It, it must have been the mid 2000s, probably 07, 08, 09, around then. Okay, okay. Yeah, me, I, for me, I think it might have been a little bit later. Uh, it was like after high school, I think. Uh, I'd seen the individual scenes, right? Like I'd seen some of the monkey stuff and I'd seen some of the, um, just the silent stuff in space. But then like I watched the whole thing, not necessarily expecting there to be like a through line or like a plot or something, but like I was not prepared for the ending of this movie and I could not have loved it more. I adore the ending of this movie. I adore that there's no rhyme or reason to it. That there's no, I mean, obviously there's a reason to, but I mean, like, there's no, th in classical film terms, there's no, like, ah, clearly this is where it was headed the whole time kind of a thing, you know? I mean, there kind of is, if you think about it, but, like, it just kind of goes off the, the handle for the last 10 minutes, and then it just kind of ends, and you're like, what the fuck? I love that so much. Yeah, the third act is, like, it's like kind of, it's just him, and it's it's, like, man, that, the stuff that he does, like the shots of like him seeing himself and then the older version of himself. And then it, it, it shook me. Actually, it freaked me out a little bit. I don't know why. And this is one of those movies where like, you don't know why because, and that's why it's talked about so much. It's like looking at a, like a really like a painting that affects you or something. It's just like, I don't know why it freaked me out, but when he walks into that room and he sees the older version of himself, I fuck, it fucking freaked me out. It was scary. I don't know why. Well, because it's very alien, the whole thing. And, yeah. and again, like he had said, like that's, they whatever made these obelisks took him there and then they're observing him but then when you're being observed by an alien maybe things get yeah. weird right i mean that's and probably when, and, and what perspective are we watching the movie from the aliens or him or is it a third it person very well thing? could be the aliens right you don't it, but exactly there's no answer yeah yeah maybe he's you know i he, again like you know speaking of nolan like like i think i almost feel like nolan would watch that and he would basically his interpretation is the tesseract like he, he would say, oh, no, he'll say, oh, yeah, he, he's it's it, that's him in the Tesseract. Yeah. Like that's well, how he would depict the, the fact yeah. that time is totally different mm -hmm. and he could see different yeah. versions of himself. Bogged because, down in the fucking quantum mechanics of it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's all about the quantum mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Nolan. Um, but yeah, with with Kubrick, it's just a very eerie, very like. It's eerie, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, what? And, and it's like very, you know, the other thing, too, is like, what the fuck? Who put that stuff there? It's just so random. There's like a bed, and then there's like yeah, yeah. This, this Columbia thing. Uh, like, and that's 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 the what? Kubrick I love. That's the Kubrick I cherish. That's the Kubrick. That's the you know some of the Clockwork Orange stuff. That's the scenes in The Shining that are non sequiturs. Like again, the dudes with the with the animal masks. Like that's the unexplained, almost psychological kind of like nutty shit. Like he does, he does this a lot in, in Eyes Wide Shut, obviously. But like some of the like, uh, like icky stuff is is what I love that he places them there and he doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. It's it's really 
it, it's masterful. It's masterful, like the way that he uh, does this stuff cinematically. Yeah. Um, it, this one definitely took a while for me to like really kind of appreciate. I think this is one. Yeah. I, this is I, one that I saw. Like the, the I, I was ready for it when I saw it. I think because I had heard so much about it and I just never watched it front to back. And by the time I saw, like, I was so on board with it. I was so captivated by it. I was just like, I, I, I think I get it. And then I saw it one more time after that. And I was like, I definitely don't get it, but like what a ride, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's good. So yeah, that's my number 15. Yeah. That was one. That was one of the movies that I, I had gone back and forth a lot about, like if I had room for it or if I wanted to like include it in here, like if there's a lot of movies on here that like stand for other movies by this. Cause again, like if I wanted to put every movie by all the filmmakers that I love, then we would just be talking about Kubrick, De Palma, Scorsese, et cetera. Right. Uh, but this was one that I was like debating for a long time. So I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Cool. So going on, right. Mm-hmm. My number 14. God, I love this movie. All right. So think about crash, right? Think about crash. Uh, I don't know. I know you haven't seen the whole thing, but primarily blue tint kind of nighttime uh, again, rain soaked streets, steamy, very noirish. People just happen to be fucking in it the whole time. Um, number 14 is this movie by, uh, I don't know how to say his name. Brian Helgeland, Helgeland. He's, he's a big Hollywood guy. He's been, he's still making movies. Uh, it's his first movie called payback with Mel Gibson. Movie came out in 1999. This fucking movie is to my being, to my core, something that I would like to make one day. Honestly, I would like to make nothing more than if I ever make a movie uh, would be to make this movie. It's so, it is so goddamn Holly. It is so goddamn like neo-noir. It is so goddamn just like cliches and like up its own ass about its own noirness. So you've got Mel Gibson who basically he narrates, he like voiceover narrates the whole thing. And he sounds like a fucking, he's just like, I didn't know it at the time, but the girl was this and that. And I mean, it is so heavy handed noir. It's so good, but it was made in the nineties and it's got that like blue tint to it that like all of those nineties movies had. And it's about him and shout out special shout out to Deborah Kara Unger, who is back to back in crash and payback and was also in the game. Uh, I mean, really like we're talking about some of these actors and actresses that are just like in their, their, in their fucking element. And this is very much her element. So she plays, Mel Gibson's girlfriend and they're like basically thieves or whatever. And they set up this heist with a third guy played by Greg Henry, who is a De Palma regular Greg Henry, another bit player. If you saw his face instantly, you would know who he is. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's a De Palma regular. Um, He plays uh, Val Resnick in this movie. And so they set it up with him and um, shocker. If you can figure out where this movie's headed, they betray the, the two of them run off together Greg Henry and Deborah Kara Unger, and they leave Mel Gibson. There's a shootout that happens with 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 the, the deal goes bad. There's a shootout that happens. They leave Mel Gibson fucking bleeding out with gunshots in his back. They take his car, they take his stuff, and they leave. Right, and then Mel Gibson is left alone, and he's go he's doing the fucking he's doing the uh, the lone noir thing. He's like he won't die. He's too stubborn to die. So he like pulls himself up, and he like ends up in this like back alley where he like knows this doctor and he just like barges in. He's, he pulls out the whiskey bottle and like fucking pours it all over his wounds or whatever. The doctor patches him up, you know, and then the rest of the movie, I mean, the movie is literally called payback. The rest of the movie is about him getting revenge on Val Resnick and his ex-wife. Um, 
he finds his ex-wife and there's a, it's actually it's very very well like it's not as over the top and as comedic as it is as i make it sound there's a great scene where he he finally gets to he finds his ex-wife and she's strung out on heroin like you would expect her to have been to she gets all this money and then she leaves you know she goes she leaves with val resnick or whatever uh no val resnick ends up betraying her and she ends up being a fucking heroin addict in a crack house and that's where we spend the next couple of minutes of this movie. And then like her dealer comes over and there's this great fucking scene where like her dealer comes over. I, and I think he's played by uh he's played by some like actor that went on to become like bigger. I don't remember who it is. Uh, Bill Duke is in this movie, by the way. Um, it's so good. Uh, there's a great scene with the, with the, with the, the drug dealer. And so there's a great scene where she's strung out and she's like overdosing and like on her side, like he he flips her on her side, basically, you know, and then he like sleeps next to her and he like kind of forgives her because he sees. kind. Of, so it's it's got a little bit of emotional kind of weight to it. And then immediately we're back to like this motherfucker. We have to fucking like Val Resnick is the devil and we have to get payback. Yeah. And uh, there's a great there's so many great shots. It's a New York movie. So many great shots of Mel Gibson walking down the street there's people there's subway entrances everywhere there's a scene where uh, it's it's set to like a uh, voodoo child or whatever of like mel gibson walking through the streets of new york i mean it is so goddamn fucking just cinema right but it's like it's kind of a shitty cinema but it's like my favorite kind of cinema mm -hmm. yeah and um so anyways though it's a revenge plot there's um iconic iconic debut role for lucy Liu in this movie mm -hmm. Or not debut, but like her first big role, uh, where she plays this dominatrix that is <laughs> uh, um, is she's she's like Val Resnick's like call girl of choice, but she also like is the head of a gang of like Asians in New York. So there's a great scene where um, Val Resnick and Lucy Liu are in the in the hotel room together, and she just like she's like pinching at him and kicking him in the nuts and shit. Cause she's his dominatrix and he's on the phone and he's just like, I'm on the fucking phone, bitch. And he like smacks her with the telephone. She comes back up. She's got blood on her face. And then she, again, she just like goes to like bite him or whatever. It's just so funny. And then anyways, later on in the movie, Mel Gibson gets to that hotel room and he fucking kicks Val Resnick's ass and then he kills him or whatever. He gets revenge. And and then we get involved with Chris Christopherson, who's also in this movie. Um, and then so after he gets revenge on Val Resnick, you know, there's a great line. Lucy Liu's just like, uh, I've you know, I've I've still got time. I've got ten minutes left on the clock. And he's just like, so go boil an egg. And then he walks out of the room. <laughs> so I think wow. I've done a good enough job on painting a picture of what this movie is, and it is so. So it's yeah, like it's the playbook, bad. dude. It is the every it hits every single like. If if like the the noir tree, if it was a tree, it falls out of the tree and hits every single branch on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's one of my all time favorite movies. I saw it when I was young, and I've rewatched it pretty much like every year since, and it keeps getting better. One of the very very few, if not the only instances where I would recommend the theatrical cut over the director's mm -hmm. cut. There is a director's cut, but I think it's just a little too much. I think the theatrical mm -hmm. cut is just is exactly what it needs to be. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. Uh, it's just like a hard-boiled revenge thing. Uh, but it is done. Like the, Again, just the talent in this movie, all the actors, Mel Gibson, Deborah, Kara Unger, Bill Duke, fucking every, Chris Christopherson, everybody's so good in this movie. And they know what they're in. And Bill yeah. Duke plays yeah. the, uh, can you guess what he plays? A cop? Yes, he plays a corrupt mm -hmm. cop. 
<laughs> a corrupt cop who who helps out Mel Gibson along his travels. So yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. fucking great. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, these these like, you know, the B movie all stars. The B movie all stars, dude. The B movie of someone should make like a B movie Avengers, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Duke and like, but like it has to be like really, really B movie, you know? Yeah, like an Expendables, but for like for all the bit guys that we we don't see. David yeah. Pamer's in this movie yeah. too. David Pamer, if you see, he is the definitive that guy. He's like yeah. that guy, you know? There's a lot of that guys in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, you got to see at least if you, you got to see, watch the whole thing, but you got to see the scenes with Lucy Liu and um, Greg Henry in the hotel room. They're so yeah. funny. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm getting an education in all the like, you know, really like all the, the noir-y, really mm-hmm. B movie like yeah. stuff I need to see. That, that's the stuff that I really like the best, really the best stuff I need to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Because there's a lot of shitty stuff too, but yeah, mm-hmm. this is the stuff I'd recommend. Cool. So my number fourteen is another Nolan film. Uh, this is my yeah highest that's Nolan not, film here. How how many Nolan films have you? you've had? A lot, right? Uh, I think it's. I think it's four. I think That's it's. A, I think it's a lot. I think um, so. It's Dark Knight, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Interstellar, Interstellar. No, I think it's three. And this three. Is, this is oh, okay, okay. I, I guess he just comes up in every fucking. We just fucking keep talking about him. So. <laughs> well, I had I had a Nolan movie too, so like yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Dark Knight and Insomnia. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, yeah, my, my number 14 is Memento. Uh, so oh, Memento, I'm so happy. That covers yeah. it. That covers the whole spectrum of Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I picked Insomnia over Memento, but now we can talk about it. Yeah, so Memento, like, I remember, I, I pretty vividly kind of remember the first time I saw it. I, like, it was a Netflix thing. I got the DVD. I watched it. I was like, okay, very different. And because, like, you know, there's, there's, we're seeing things happen, but then, like, you know, there's one yeah, narrative no, going yeah. backwards and then yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. black and white shit. And it's just yeah. like, what? Um, but it really sucks you into this mystery, this sort of thing. Um, and I, I, I literally watched this movie and then immediately watched it again. Immediately. Nice. nice. Like, well, like, cause it kind of ends it. that way, right? Like it, it prompts you almost to watch it, does, it again. It does kind of prompt you, but it, what prompts you is you have questions. Yeah. You have questions you have, and, and like you have the complete picture and you just need to put all the pieces together. You yes. have all the pieces, I should say, and then you just need to put them together. Yes. And then, so then you, you have, you want to have your theories and yeah. see which ones you think are correct or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank God this movie for once is like, it has a definitive, correct interpretation, right? Like it has oh, it a does. correct series. of I, 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 I thought, yeah. I thought like it series of, or, do you mean series of events or like definitive truth? I think it has a well. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing can go back and forth, but I'm pretty like it's pretty clear to me. At least the last four times I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I, this movie, I think this movie really um, gets into a lot of the the themes that Nolan cares a lot about. Yeah, well, because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here. Because you watch this movie, you're like, okay, what, what? what's a what's real what's a lie what's happening what's what is time right <laughs> um there's there's there and you can just go like the fucking imdb page of like at like frequently asked questions or whatever it's like it's like twenty thousand right. words right 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 right, 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 right. you can go into an absolute hole trying to figure yeah. out the theories and read all this stuff um there's a lot of stuff written about 
by people. That's, that's funny. It always it always it always seemed really clear to me. At least like the 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 A to B to C like narrative mm-hmm. seemed pretty clear to me. But like I never I never con- contemplated like some of the because I just if something's not explained I just don't care about it. But I can totally see. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what gets people is you know is what's his name is that dude is he lying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joey Joey Pants. Yeah, is Joey Pants yeah. lying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Joey Pants lying or is Joey Pants telling the truth? I think that's where people get caught up. Uh, do, do, do we not know? Is, is this one of the Nolan things where he's like, I'm not talking. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's been a, it's been a <laughs> while since I've like, I've, I've loved this film for a long time. Me too. I've, dude, um, this is probably the, the, the fucking, the movie I've rewatched the most, like the farthest yeah. back of Nolan's. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, maybe if you asked me like, I don't know, 10 years ago. I was yeah, like, exactly. Oh, man, the fucking, yeah, but yeah, I, if you, you asked know. me when I was in high school, I had it like, I had like a fucking notebook worth yeah. of explanations <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. But that time for me is long past. Yeah. So same I'm kind like, of, oh, yeah. I, you know, like, like, I mean, if you ask me my, just like straight up, I would say he's probably telling the truth and that, yeah, he, he killed, he's basically lying to himself. Yeah. The main character is lying to himself to, live in the world that he wants because he can't he can just like thematically that makes it makes more sense that way too yeah yeah but like so it's so brilliant right it's like he's telling this movie backwards (laughs) while also like like (laughs) like while also like doing this intercutting this fucking other shit this other narrative that's kind of bookending what we understand i'm I'm laughing because after i rewatched uh fucking tenant with my buddies we spent two and a half hours to having this exact conversation so the first half of the movie's forwards but then he plays it backwards but not really because he's going backwards but the world is going forwards <laughs> and i'm just like i'm so over it at this point but yes this movie is played backwards yeah <laughs> yeah it is in christopher fact christopher nolan christopher it is in nolan. fact sequentially backwards <laughs> christopher nolan and it's it's brilliant it's not just like you know, it's not just it's the least gimmick. I mean, it's gimmicky it's, as fuck, but I mean, like, it's the most kind of like uh, thought out. I got to say, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It fits. It, it fits, fits the narrative. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, there are definitely like, you know, yeah, it's not for the sake of it. Yeah. 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 Because it really kind of helps get you into this guy's head. Because when you don't know, he also doesn't know yeah. in those moments. And he's also kind of piecing together all this stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just really brilliant. And it just it just really draws you in. Like you just draw, you're like, okay, I don't understand. And even at the end, I have questions and I have theories. Yeah. So it really makes you, I feel like this and the prestige are kind of like companion Mm, pieces. I think where they're, where they're both sort of dealing with similar ish stuff. You know, uh, there's a lot of like, because with, with the prestige, it's like, is the guy a clone? Is he not a clone? Who's, who's the real magician? Who's the real Angie or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I guess. with this, you kind of get get sucked into like, is who's the real Leonard Shelby? Like, what? Yeah. Like, what? Who is this character that we're following? It doesn't we matter. Follow- he got lost. He he's lost. Yeah. He it doesn't he doesn't exist anymore. Whatever the real it's it's you know fucking dementia. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 But but you know again people get get fucking super caught up into that. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know. I know. They're like going do like oh my god. <laughs> No, it's actually really him, and the guy's lying. Blah blah blah. Maybe, maybe that's why I like this movie so much more than some of the other ones. Is that like it is? Uh, it's it's an equation that like it's it's 
it's well thought out. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's a well-made. Well, what have not... we always been saying right about him is like he's this guy who's making these intricate like watches with all these con- yeah, all, yeah. all these all these um complications. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is just another one of these things where the plot is so intricate that you just marvel at it when you see what he's done at the end. And it's yeah. it's really it's really amazing. It's totally amazing to pull off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And and uh, there was I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure this happens to everybody, but like especially this is one of those like high school movies for me or like late high school where like we had I had a group of friends and we w- we would get obsessed about like certain movies for like a long period of time and we would watch it. Like I've seen this movie probably four times the first co- like the first week I saw this I saw this movie I saw it four or five yeah. times. And then <laughs> yeah, and then like yeah, yeah, and with yeah. with my friends without my friends and we would talk about it and there there's there's these different periods in your life where like you're obsessed with a certain actor i mean and i mean like obsessed like if if i was like a man crush almost you know uh like in the way that you're obsessed with like angelina jolie when you're 12 years old or whatever maybe i'm speaking for myself but like that happened to a lot of people our age i'm sure um or like when you're a teenager or whatever uh we were fucking obsessed with uh, guy pierce i mean obsessed like we went back we pulled every single one of his movies that he'd ever fucking been in and we were just obsessed with this guy we loved him so much uh and he's really great in this movie i just want to say that he's he's so he good great. In this movie. yeah he is great he really delivers i i saw this interesting thing nolan was talking about uh doing this movie um and yeah he was, he was talking about like it was almost the first time i really you know like there was an actual budget and you know basically yeah. the, like i think this movie was like what five million it's I think that very, was I think I think that's what it was. I think cuz no yeah. because that was another thing remember we were obsessed with this fucking movie. That was one of the things was like they made it for 5 million. What could we do for 5 million? Uh, you know, that that kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Imagine, like fucking teenagers getting 5 million dollars. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, he was talking about like uh basically he was shooting a scene with Guy Pierce and uh the fucking producers were like looking over his shoulder basically yeah and so they're shooting a scene and you know they shot it and then and Nolan's like um you know i i think we're good and guy Pierce's like no let's let's try it again and then he said like the next take was like like he you know like he saw he saw acting you know what i'm saying uh, like when you when you have wow. the when you see That's someone awesome. like mm-hmm. give those moments like mm-hmm. where it's, he's he's got a lot of interesting stuff that he talks about uh, um but yeah i i i Guy Pierce gives a reason. It's like yeah. quite a character, right? Like yeah. this, this is an incredible character. Yeah. And I mean, again, for, for a budget movie, this movie, it, it shoots like way, way, way above. Like it's kind of, it's like punching way above what it should be, like the weight that it should be punching at. And uh, I think it it's way, but like the people are going to come back to this movie and they're going to keep talking about it for a long time. Cause like, oh, yeah. it's easy to get caught up in the inceptions and the fucking tenets and the interstellars because of how yeah, like the, the scope and the sets and all of the camera trickery and stuff. But like the genius was kind of always there, you know? And sometimes like I personally prefer very clearly <laughs> the, the simpler kind of smaller scale story scenario based thing. Uh, to some of the grander because you get lost in the sauce like tenet is the the ultimate gets lost in the sauce of its own <laughs> thing kind of a thing you know like high on his own supply yeah like... A little, like sniffing your own farts kind of you know like that's like you could very easily like when you have too much power that can happen to you but like the distilled if you could distill your entire like 
mission statement into like one very like coherent picture, then like that's really impressive. Yeah, this this film is like because you know you're in the hands of someone who's a master. Like, yeah, the, that he's really because it's almost like he wrote the the film forwards. He's like, right. well, I could just do this backwards, keep the same kind of keep the same structure, and it'll work better. And so yeah. then he did that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing too, like this, the screenplay is out there and um, it's interesting too, because like, it looked like he went through like four or five drafts of this, at least from what I'm sure he did was yeah. like the production thing. So that means that there's probably even more stuff. Oh, there's like, gotta be a shit ton of drafts. Yeah. Spent who knows how much time, yeah. <laughs> you know, on yeah. this thing. Well, that's, that's what I like about him. That's what I, I, I mean, whatever, we don't have to keep fucking blowing him, but like, um, it is like we keep saying, like it's it's nice to have somebody that is operating at, at such a high level in Hollywood. I mean, like yeah. truly top five, top three filmmakers, right? Working right now. That is such a like he's so about the work. Like he's so about just writing and rewriting and iterating and reiterating and like coming up with things and servicing ideas. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are just like kind of they just make the shit. You know, like some of the biggest budget directors, they'll just they'll give you a good movie like they'll, they will just make you a thing. But Nolan is like very it all comes from like some passion that he has. And it's really nice to see that. Um, yeah. And this was like this was definitely for me. The first film I saw this blew me away. And then, mm. you know, watching Batman Begins and like once he did The Dark Knight, he was just yeah, he did like Prestige and The Dark Knight. And he was just yeah. a thing. Dude, Prestige, dude, Prestige was another one. Prestige was like right after Memento. I think maybe you're onto something with their companion pieces because, like, still, like at the tail end of high school, we got really fucking deep into the Prestige. Yeah. So yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, maybe it's just I don't know. It's maybe just bait for like teenagers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. So that's that's my number fourteen. Cool. All right. Are you ready? Are you strapping in? Are you strapping in for the for the long haul here? The last yeah. three. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Number 13. If you asked me to make this list five years ago, two years ago, three years ago, if you asked me to make it, I knew, remember how he said, like, I knew my top five and like, I knew which movies were in the top 10. Like Dark Knight was definitely in the top 10. And then it just got fucking booted way the fuck down. Um, This movie has for ever, ever since I conceptualized the question, what's your favorite movie of all time or favorite movies? This movie has always been a very consistent number two. Always been a very consistent number two. And uh, here we are at number 13, Back to the Future. Uh, A a little bit of a different uh, spin, like a little heel turn from the other movies that we just talked about. Uh, You know, Crash, Payback, Back to the Future. (laughs) Yeah, Amblin. Uh, But... I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it very long because I don't have to explain to you why Back to the Future is so fucking great because it is. But um, why I love it in particular is that, and I think I've mentioned this before a couple times, is that it is the first movie on its own, and with with the with the sequels combined as well. But like the first movie where I truly felt like the world that it created, the characters and the situations, I I just I want to live there. Like it is the most for whatever reason. And there's a lot of movies like this. There's like a lot of people love a lot of, you know, Spielberg's movies. A lot of people love E.T. A lot of people love, uh, you know, Star Wars. And they can put themselves in that situation and say, like, God damn it. Like, I am Luke Skywalker. I would love this for whatever reason. The this idea, this movie, Marty McFly is my kind of like, is it for me is my movie fantasy. I don't know why. 
Like I don't want to be Mel Gibson in Payback, certainly not. But I like I like those types of you stories. Like that, yeah. I like that style. I like that delivery. But like this movie, I want to be in this movie. I want to yeah. be in this movie so bad that when uh, I was renting these from Hollywood Video at the time, when I was going through them, and I was watching them on my Windows 98 PC that happened to have a DVD drive in it. Very big money shit to have a DVD drive in your computer. Um, so I was watching them on there, and I watched them again. I watched the first movie a couple times. I think I may have seen parts of it on TV, and I was just like, holy shit. He gets in a car, he time travels. That's so cool. That is so cool. That is fucking cool. And then I rented the movie and I watched it like three, four, five more times. And then uh, I rented the sequels. And then I did like I took a day and I think and I watched all three of them back to back. And when I was in and I was so much in love with the first movie and I immersed myself into watching all three. And they're so like it's kind of the blueprint for how to do this. Like every trilogy after this or pretty much. Yeah, would just do it this way. Like, okay. We have a thing that sets its own world very distinctly, and we're going to make two and three, and we're just going to make them happen, right? We're going to shoot them back to back, whatever. So because of that, they were able to like have stingers at the end of each movie. So like at the end of Back to the Future Two, there's a trailer for Back to the Future Three, like in the theatrical print, uh, and so that's on the in, in the movie. And so like being engrossed in that world for like a six six to eight hours or whatever, how long, however long it's la- it lasted, and then it ends, right? The future is what you make it, Marty. Fucking go be the best that you can be, and then it ends was like the first moment where like my heart sank and I was like, it's make-believe, but like it felt so real to me, (laughs) you know? So that's Mm -hmm. what Back to the Future represents to me. It's just so well... We don't, I mean, it's it's the, the the score, the Spielberg involvement of getting all the talent together, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, you know, Huey By Lewis the way, and the News, everything, you know? They basically shot this movie twice. Oh, I know. they With cast Eric Stoltz, Eric Stoltz, and, Eric Stoltz yeah. and whatever. Oh, I'm... Trust, dude, the deep dive has been completed. <laughs> I, I've... I had a similar moment of like, oh shit, it's over. I'm out of things when I ran out of special features to watch. They did... Just last year, though, they did... um. 35th anniversary 4k set with all three movies and i bought oh, no shit i have it and uh, there's like one or two ex- new featurettes that they did and they got bob nice. gale to like do some more interviews so that was cool but like originally when i ran out of content with back to the future yeah, on it and and i'm not it. counting i'm not counting the animated series because I, I watched the animated series too and they had like the fucking universal studios ride and stuff like that but like the movies themselves are just like fuck dude yeah. like what a world these, it creates. Yeah, these movies are really fun. And this this first movie yeah. is like, uh, wow. I mean, it's just so it's fun. So cool. It's so, it's so fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, just like all the stuff, like the, you know, and they just, they kill it. Both of them just kill it. They have this chemistry that just works. Yeah, um, Doc and Marty. Yeah, Doc and Marty. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, just like hilarious and fun. And I don't know, everything about it is like hella, hella cool. There's that um, word again, heavy. Is there something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, no wonder, no wonder the, the president has to be an actor. He's on television all the time. He's on television all the time. Ronald Reagan, the actor? The actor? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there, there's also something, too, about, you know, the whole plot of, like, your mom falling in love with you. Yeah, I love that. It's so <laughs> funny. make her super hot. <laughs> yeah. That's so that scene too when he first wakes up and it's his fucking mom and she's hella hot and he's like almost naked in the bed he's not really naked but he's still he's in his underwear and she's like he's in his underwear yeah yeah yeah. and she's into him and it's like and then he finds out that his dad is just a 
fucking loser. I love that song. That's an absolute fucking loser. Yeah. Like, loser. Yeah. Oh, then we have, and then we have, of course, Biff and the, the bullies. I mean, God, man. Make like a tree and leave or get yeah. out of here. Yeah, that's funny. And then, like, the Calvin Klein stuff, that was really funny. Good. That's some good. That's some good. Uh, what do you call it? Um, like, promotion or whatever that's pop that's pop culture fodder dude that's like yeah. that's what that is yeah 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 i yeah <laughs> and then like like when he plays that fucking guitar solo at the end and he's like yeah, yeah. You, your kids are gonna like it <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah you, you might be uh, it might be too much for you guys but your kids are gonna love it. yeah I identify with that dude. I, yeah. Or, or, you know, like when the, when the drummer, like Chuck Berry's cousin calls me, he's like, Hey Chuck, you know that new sound you're looking for? Listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something fun about time travel movies that, uh, like a Bill and Ted type of situation where like we can fuck with time. We can fuck with historical figures and we can move things around and there's no consequences kind of a thing. I mean, obviously there's consequences in this movie f- directly for Marty, but everything else, the Chuck Berry shit, it's just like so fun to be like yeah, the fun. alternate reasons for why things came to be, right? The alternate reasons why your parents got together is because you fucking did some dumb shit in the 50s. Like, I don't know. It's just a fun concept. and Yeah, it's super fun. I mean, it's, it's every everything. Very, yeah. Very but, different than Tenet, the way that they handle time travel. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and it's not I'm even saying. until back to the it's not even until back to the future too that we get into that stuff where like Doc pulls out the whiteboard and he's like, "All right, so this is the timeline." And then this is the timeline where we went back to 1985, but it's Biff's timeline and they're just like, "Hold up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's kind of nice is they don't get bogged down in that. Um we kind of understand, right? It's like, "Oh, get. well, basically if you don't think about it." It kind of yeah. works. It Basically, works. he he messed some stuff up. He has to fix it, and if he doesn't, he's dead. Right. He doesn't exist. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's just like you know, this is man, Robert Zemeckis at this time. Holy shit! This yeah, and there's dying. but there's and there's so much detail in this movie. Like the the movie theater on his way to the mall is like showing porno movies, and it's like in the seedy part of town. And then when he comes back, it's like showing you know like star wars and like classic movies and shit and it's like everything is like on the up and up because he like um i think you know because he i think that might have been in the second one but nevertheless like there's so many details that they put in this thing that make them so like really like a complete set like there's kind of nothing left out uh, which i really like um yeah yeah, it's just one of the absolutely yeah and i just i love it so much for that like this is the one like again everybody has their one movie that is just like the whimsy and like it gets them uh this is the one for me yeah (sighs) All right, so my number 13 is The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of Rings. There we go. I was wondering where this so, is going to drop. Yeah, this is my highest rated Lord of the Rings film. Uh, this is the first. So it's kind of funny. So like when I, uh, I kind of saw this on a whim, which is really kind of, <laughs> um, so like my friend, so I had a friend and he was like into D&D and uh, Lord of the Rings, like he read all these books and stuff. Nerd. Yeah, Harry Potter. Like he had read Harry Potter before. Like, hey man, you got to read this thing, Harry Potter. I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, like, um, and so I read it at some point and saw the movie. So I probably saw the movie first. But yeah, so uh, so me and him, we kind of show up to go see this thing, and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll see it because I, I got I'd see fucking anything, you know. Like, I, yeah, right, right, I'm, right, right. I'm the kind of guy who like saw everything and mm-hmm. mo- many times. If I liked it, I saw it a lot. Anyway, so we're watching this movie, and it's like super fucking epic and crazy and like you know it's like man when you think about what they had to do with this movie, where you have to like really dump people into this world this fantasy world where you know any movie you have a lot of world building to do 
period. But with this, now it's like three different layers because now there's fucking goblins and yeah and and wizards and magic and all this other stuff. And now it's like, okay, how does all this work? Yeah, and well, we talked a little bit about this in the, in the in the other ones because yeah, it's like you don't have to get like bogged down in like everything. Like you, there, it's it's all there. Like the source material, right? Like there's so much, but like. What is the movie really about? It's just like, ah, this fucking guy, there's a ring and he has to take it from here to here and like yeah. shit happens. Like you, to adapt it into movie terms, like they, they were so smart about how they did that because they didn't have to yeah. spend, they spend a little bit in the beginning setting up, like in the beginning there was fucking rings and fire and demons and shit. Yeah, yeah, there were, there were goblins and there were Yeah, there's a little bit of that. But then after then, that, it's just like, whatever, dude, like just like, follow yeah. the story along kind of. Yeah, I really like that opening uh, prologue the montage i love it it's so yeah. cool yeah because uh, it, it does it does a good really really good job of like that's basically the lord of the rings history in four yeah. minutes yeah yeah you know there was a guy he was a demon he fucking killed people yeah uh, he made a ring and then the whole world had to like literally it's world war one where they had to stop him mm-hmm. they they killed him but they didn't really kill him because he's still in the ring and the guy didn't destroy the ring oh by the way one of the other main characters is his descendant who still carries that burden. And that's ha- one half of the story. That half of the story is this hobbit who has to destroy the ring. So mm-hmm, it's all about mm-hmm. the ring, but you know, you get two different sides of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah I, I just think like, you know, this, there, there's some like sort of my theory on, on film in terms of like what makes a good story. There's some stories that are just, they have what they have the elements that create. Good and if you get the right amount of actors and, and people behind the camera and money and story, you're going to get great film. And the Lord of the Rings is one of those. Like, yeah. I think everyone sort of recognized, like once, you know, you've read all this stuff, like, whoa, this is really, really epic world. And if people really take the time to want to do the deep dive into it, it's very, um, it's very satisfying. And the fact that he was able to like really just do all of it. And it's a miracle. It is an absolute miracle. It is that an- this, these films worked out absolute miracle yeah there's and again we we've gone we've done this we've had this conversation before but like holy shit like what an undertaking uh and especially at the time like if you read into more into like the making of it like new line was just about to go out of business and they just fucking blew their final load on this movie right like every there's so much writing on this movie and uh they just gave it to this like basically sam raimi from new zealand you know (laughs) And uh, the guy who just does like schlocky horror movies, mm-hmm. he had to, he did like one movie with Michael J. Fox in 1995, yeah. and like Frighteners not, or whatever. Fry the Frighteners, yeah, which is a great movie by the way. But yeah. like you know, like a special effects driven kind of guy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, very, and very cool. you know, Miramax, Miramax was involved, and they wanted to do like one movie or two movies or some kind of crazy shit. <laughs> of course. Um, and yeah, exactly. And so 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 somehow, yeah, it's actually really crazy because like they. They wanted to do one movie. They wanted to do The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And they're like, ah, no, we don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, so find someone else to give you the money and then you can do whatever you want. But you have, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like into the spider. You have 48 hours to find, <laughs> to find another, like, literally, they're like, you have 48 hours to find another financier or else this is canceled. It's going God. into whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to turn around. And then he's, and then he's like, oh, 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 he's scrambling and then gets a meeting with New Line. New Line's like, okay, we'll let you do three movies. And then they just go to fucking New Zealand and it's him and, you know, some people and they're shooting this movie. And then no, it's a miracle, you know, man. They yeah. somehow they somehow made it all work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just to sort of talk about like 
I guess why I like this movie the most. Um, again, it introduces the world. It does a really good job with that. I think there's something really cool and palpable about the way that you see this whole, the fellowship come together and the minds of Moria scenes are really some of my favorite character stuff. Cause it's, it's really, you know, like I think I described before, it's sort of like a D and D mission to mm-hmm, you and your little mm-hmm, party. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, yeah, you gotta, yeah. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Got to get out of this, this situation. And unfortunately your friend died. Uh, but you know, you, you escaped to continue your mission to and, the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think that's what really, really works. Um, while also, you know, it, it, it sets us up for what really is going to come to be what we love about this this franchise. The massive battles, the like, the great cinematography, mm-hmm. the beautiful landscapes and like, like all yeah. the stuff they did with like they use miniatures and they use like, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, the stuff that they do um, to to was the forced perspective stuff that they do is like. Yeah. And so within like the little hobbit houses and shit. Yeah. It's so cool because they like, yeah, they like have it so that like the stuff would move so that you're always seeing the same perspective. Yes. So that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember it's that. Yeah. Really fucking cool. Yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a gold mine. This, this trilogy is a, like, if you're even remotely interested in like films and like how to, how, how they're made and how they did stuff. And this is primarily done without like an overuse of CGI, you know? So it, it's, it's like, it's before the current, era of like every marvel movie is just farmed out to like a bunch of really good effects oh, yeah. and there's just that tens of thousands of people working on these things and the, you know the credits roll by and you're just like okay and like it kind of doesn't mean anything at least someone to me. made a really funny funny like <laughs> they were saying like there's this, this thing it was like uh you know, in 2019, back when the world, before the world ended, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they were like, oh, what should the Russo brothers do next? And then someone was like, they should make a musical. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, because Endgame was basically a musical. Like, like that final battle is just people in a fucking green room dancing. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I thought it was a funny take, but they were right. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally that, that, that battle in Endgame is a green room. Yeah. With some stuff. There is some Dude, actual stuff, but it's just a green room. The, the entire Aquaman movie is just oh, guys man. in a green room. <laughs> I saw this great thing um, where it was like basically some of the scenes that they did with Momoa for maybe like Justice League or something like that. And it's him on this green rig and then it like pushes him forward. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think I it's saw him that, in yeah. a green room and then I it's like he's that. on the green thing and it's almost like a green swing and it swings him forward yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you see the actual thing and it's him like Shh. and the shit looks so fake in the movies dude like it always does like we're, we don't have we definitely don't have to talk about it right now but like for example and to bring it back to lord of the rings like in, in wonder woman 1984 there's so many shots in that movie where she's like flying or running really fast and it's just like I thought, like, th- we, we've definitely seen this stuff done better. Like, am I... Well, am they I did crazy? it way better in, in uh, <laughs> Civil War. In Civil War, they have the yeah. scenes where it's like Cap, it's like Cap and Bucky and, uh, and, and Black Panther running through the streets, and they're running faster than a car. Yeah, so right. Way better, but that's, like, people on... Like, there's a wire that's, that's like, going really fast. And so that's my wire. point. Like, from my recollection, there's nothing that is as jarring in any of the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Like it's, it's all carefully considered. And the only thing you could say is kind of shitty is when they do use CGI, but it's not that like it's often the only stuff. There's some stuff um, in some of the extended where like what, where you can kind of understand why they, why they cut it from theatrical. Mm. 
but that's in like the other two movies. Like there's two that stand well, so these, in one, the other two, yeah, specifically. Yeah, in the second one, there's a scene where like all the all the um, Urukai run into the forest, and then you see, you just you can tell they they cut that shit. They're like fuck it, because like people are getting enough real because it's like you you see this forest and it looks honestly it kind of looks like um <laughs> it looks like it kind of looks like a video game from like the 90s yeah where this, oh, this forest and then it's like moving and then you get these really weird reaction shots of like people oh, going like this and yeah. then and, and then it like cuts and then it's like totally you can tell that they they were like man we're not gonna figure this out and then there's another scene with yeah. uh two side characters that they're watching the army go go off to to mordor and it, it it looks it looks like a green room straight up it looks like a green room basically um yeah but otherwise yeah it's 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 really really well done. and again the 4k looks oh yeah i can't wait to to uh to yeah. rewatch all of these and to do i don't think i've ever actually seen the extended editions of any of these so uh i got to a point where like it was recently enough that i felt the need to watch them that i was like I'll just wait for the 4K version that's going to come out, and now it's out, so uh, I have no excuse. Other yeah. than when am I going to have 10 hours to do it? I don't know, but uh, I definitely want to do it because um, I, I think these movies are a miracle, like you said. Like it's it's Absolutely. it's amazing that like they got the right filmmaker with the right kind of connections and the right approach to do it right. Yeah, he got a whole fucking country <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> to rig the laws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I think they, I think they, I think they kind of, they probably had some tax incentives, but I think the real rigging was the Hobbit. The Hobbit was, and actually, there's some people that are so pissed about that shit mm-hmm. because they, they, they created these fucked up laws where you can like basically, basically, you can like get people from other countries to like work there and not have to pay taxes or some shit. And yeah, it's, <laughs> and then and then they created this like because then it never went away, right? Yeah, and right. So then, so everyone's so just like fucking just <laughs> raping New Zealand. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's literally the unintended consequences. Like like New Zealand gets stripped, just fucking yeah. strip mined for film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. <laughs> so they could so they could get like this. You know, I there's probably a lot of spend in the country. I'm sure when they did those three Hobbit movies, it's probably like 100 million, 150 million each. But yeah. it's <laughs> kind of funny <laughs> um yeah so that's my that's my number 13 the lord of the rings the fellowship of the, of the ring sick my number 12 is a movie that we've already talked about uh but my number 12 is pulp fiction baby yeah hell yeah cue mr lou so we've had most of the discussion of this already the only thing i want to add is like the again the personal significance uh of it and I was struggling with it too. I was just like, do I really like, I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. But like, I feel like I've seen it so many times and it's constantly talked about that. Like, do I, are these my feelings or are these just feelings that like I've convinced myself that I believe, you know, that I feel this way about this movie. Cause again, I've seen it in theaters. I've seen it DVD, Blu-ray. I've seen it with friends, without friends. I've seen this movie eight or nine times, you know? Uh, so do I really love it? Or is it the circumstances that I've seen it in and whatever? And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, the first time I saw this movie, I didn't know what to make of it, right? Uh, I, not that I thought it was, like, bad or it was, like, convoluted or anything. I just, like, kind of didn't understand the approach, right? I was like, why is it? I, I figured out that, and again, I would think I was, like, early high school or whatever. I, I, I was trying to figure out that I had seen Reservoir Dogs, and I fucking love that movie. But 
it, but that, and that movie has its own kind of weird disjointed narrative, but it's all kind of pretty clear. It's just about these bank robbers. This movie doesn't really make any sense. You know, we start with the with the with the two guys and or we start with the diner and then the two guys and then Bruce Willis is what? Okay. So, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a couple of things in this movie. Uh the rear projection scene when he's in the cab with uh what, what's it what's her name? Um, Hello Lobos. Isabella Esmeralda Villalobos, right? And uh, again, the rear projection, the the 1940s kind of noir feel to it. We're American, honey. <laughs> our names is, don't mean what shit. What's it like to kill a man? Yeah, exactly. Like Please that. That. Me. What that, is your that, name? <laughs> that awoke something in me, right? And I was just like, ooh, ooh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like these are this is this is kind of the kind of feeling I like to get in my movies. And then later on, the scene that like very concretely put this movie like everything. After I watched this movie and everything before was it's very stupid. It's the scene where um, he drives up. He's going to get his watch back or whatever. He drives up and he parks his car. He gets out of his car and then he he walks through the uh, like this back it's like alley. The back gate, yeah. It's, back yeah, he, he well he walks through a back alley and then through um, just like apartment buildings on on his left side. And then he's walking through the backyard. Of the whole place, yeah. and he goes. Then he goes through a fence, and then he keeps walking through the entire field until he gets across the street to where his apartment building is. And it's a continuous take, and it's a steady cam shot. And uh, I don't know why, but when I saw that, I was just like, "Movies!" I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Yes, yes, that is so cool." Why is this so fucking cool? I still don't know why it's so cool, but I love those types of like long takes where we're just following the character and the sound design in the scene is kind of what, what makes it is like you hear on the left side you hear like commercials you hear the jingles of like some of the in-universe stuff that you've heard in other in the scenes prior like i think on one of the tvs like there's a i don't remember exactly what it is but something that ties into like another reference in the in, in the rest of the movie and uh just following bruce willis through that uh hole in that gate and following him through the the field for kind of seemingly like no reason, like in an, in any other movie that I'd ever seen, especially at the time I was watching a lot of like really fast paced cutting movies, you know, and this movie is just like, now nah, we're just going to chill for a minute. We're going to follow Bruce Willis around like that. That was really cool to me. Like the entire Bruce Willis storyline is like it for me. I love the rest of it. I love Harvey Keitel. I love the wolf. I love Jules and, and Vincent Vega. I love all of it, but like, the Bruce Willis, the 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 again, it, it's 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 the it's it's the the closest it comes to like a neo noir thing, where it's just like a guy and his lover, and his lover is like this exotic uh, woman from yeah, like France French. or whatever, you know, and he, and he's just like, are the bad guys coming to get us? And he's like, no, baby, it'll be fine, baby. Like, I just love that shit so much. I, I eat it really up. Funny too, like when when he up. wakes up the next day, right, and she's watching some fucking. She's watching like a war film. The war film, yeah. She's like, yeah. Watch, she's like watching Platoon or some shit. Yeah. And he's like, oh. and he like wakes up. He's like, oh my god, what's? It? And she's like, brush your teeth. Yeah, and then he just has his, and he has his great. And they're, they're like gonna go to Mexico or some shit, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's their plan. Yeah, I mean, what a what a classic story. He's on the run. He he was supposed to duck out in a fight, or he was supposed to fudge a bet, whatever. You know, you can insert any kind of circumstance, but he's on the run from these gangsters, and uh, you know, he's he just wants to get his girl and get out. Like that, that's such a cool thing. So that's the part of Pulp Fiction that is like really attached to my soul. Uh, and so that's why I, I, I love this movie. Everybody loves this movie for one reason or another, but that's it for me. Yeah, there's, yeah. I, and the other thing too I like about the Butch. Um, Butch. The, yeah, that, that story arc is like that whole thing in the, you know, <laughs> the Zed, the Zed shit. Um, Zed, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. When, he, when he's this. like, 
you know, choose your weapon. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. The Would you like game. a chainsaw? Would you like the only thing I I, I wish it was like like the Jason like oh the uh, machete. Yeah, like a machete, like yeah. a machete, and then like the uh, the Michael Myers fucking the, like just like, a huge knife. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like a comically huge yeah. knife. <laughs> and then yeah, because then he like picks up a bat and he's like he like looks at the like, he yeah he's just like mm, pretty good. And then he, and he then looks he at the chainsaw. The yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Like I I literally was just like fucking fuck you like take the katana take the katana i want the katana that's the that's the 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 understanding the b and that's what i love about tarantino that in in the same way that um like we we talk about like nolan's thing is he just thinks about time and then he's a craft like tarantino's thing is just like i like b movies how can i make a b movie about x y or z Mm -hmm. uh and this movie is just a collection of like b movie ideas yeah i feel like he's basically elevating the b movie to yeah an A movie premise, like take B movies, give good characters, give really interesting sort of because, but it's it's all the B movie stuff, right? Like it's all like, in this movie, yeah. Right, it's like fucking the Warriors. Can you dig it? Yeah, that, like can I love that you shit. dig it? Yeah, you know. And this is just the same stuff. It's those lines that really you can't yeah. forget. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's it's right. It's the and sex and it's it's the like characters who have no character. They're just fucking tough guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like they have a backstory. Yeah. They go around fucking killing people for this guy. Yeah, you know? Mar- yeah, Marcellus Wallace is like Marcellus. the kingpin, and it's like, of course, there's a fucking kingpin. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? And uh, yeah, I mean, they're just there's just so many, and like like that speech Marcellus gives when like when they're trying to find uh, Butch. Oh yeah, I <laughs> I, like, I want a guy. I want in someone in Indochina. Here to Indochina. <laughs> <laughs> I want someone in a bowl of rice. Yeah, <laughs> to put a cap in his ass. Mm-hmm. In every bowl of rice from here to Indochina. <laughs> I mean, there. Yeah. You know, how can you quantify that, right? Like that's or just or a- yeah, or like when Jules calls uh, calls Marcellus and he's freaking the fuck out and he's just like, you go back in there and chill those guys out and tell them the wolf will be coming directly and he's like, shit, that's yeah, all yeah. you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> he's hangs up the phone and he's done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like you know, like oh, what, which one's your wallet? The one that says "bad motherfucker" on it. I mean, and that's that's. I mean, very clearly, all the black exploitation that he watched, like all of the fucking you know, Dolomite. flies and yeah. shafts and like all of that stuff, you know. Yeah, totally. And it's just like taking all that stuff and then percolating it up into and like you know, again, like he's really fucking good at casting. He's really mm-hmm. good at casting. Yeah. You know, when, when picking, he's, yes, you're right. When he's given full reign, he can like, you know, he'll have his pet people like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Pam Greer. And in yeah. this film, it was John Travolta. And Tim Roth. Tim Roth is kind of his guy. Uh, Tim Roth and Harvey Keitel. Like, I got to have those. And I promised Samuel Jackson a role. So I guess I'll put him in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Jackson kills it in Fucking no, kill. this is the movie that like creates Sam Jackson. It does, yes. Yeah. Like the Sam Jackson persona, I think, because this is ninety three, right? Yeah, ninety four. But uh, ninety four, yeah. yeah. But he, next... he really hadn't been in anything. He had been in Jurassic Park and Goodfellas for like a second. Well, Jurassic Park probably longer, but like not really anything where he like got to really like bite yeah, into some material. Yeah, he was kind of in. I forget which, but he was in a lot of the Spike Lee stuff, and he's he's been pretty mm. performing. You're right. Before. Do the right thing and Jungle Fever, Lee. School Days. Yeah. I think he was in those that. That was really where he was at, and then yeah, you're right. Because then later, what like what was it? Ninety five. He did what was it like? What was that fucking movie? Time to Kill or whatever the thing with the Time to Kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, no. Is what, what does he say? <laughs> I, uh, it's like something. I hope they burn to hell. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, yes, they did it, and I hope they burn in hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shout out to Joel Schumacher. Great movie. Yeah, Yeah. so this this movie definitely, especially the Sam Jackson persona. Yeah. You know, the thing that gets kind of where he says, motherfucker, motherfucker. Motherfucker, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I just, the thing that comes to my mind is like, uh, there's this really hilarious uh, skit that uh, Chappelle did where instead of Samuel Adams, it was Samuel Jackson. Oh, yeah. And, I think and he's just it was like, that a Chappelle show thing because I think I've oh, seen yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's really and it's and it's it's <laughs> it's Dave Chappelle doing Sam Jackson dressed as Samuel Adams. As Samuel Adams, yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like screaming like like draw my beer. Sam Jackson is really fucking good. It's like why are you yelling? What do you mean I'm not yelling? This is the way I talk. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. yeah. A great skit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I, I really when you really kind of think about what he's able to do with this film where it's like, like this film is very highly regarded. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like top 50 all time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the fact that this is a guy who like, you know, spent time fucking just digging through the shit. Yeah. Dog shit. Mm -hmm. And his whole, his whole, like, like what is the thematic premise of Quentin Tarantino as an artist? Elevate the B movie. Yeah. Yeah. And make everyone love B movies the way that he loves B movies. I think you're right. Yeah. And he basically, Pulp Fiction is him doing it. He's succeeding. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it every, he never stopped. Jackie, Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown is a B movie. Kill Bill yeah. is very much a B movie. You know, fucking Death Proof is the beest of, it's, it's, it's his personal B movie. You know, <laughs> like it's all shit. It's like a B movie in, within it's the within a B, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, of of Tarantino movies, and then he's like, "I want to do a World War II movie," and then it's like, uh, by, yeah, you know, by way of we'll torch Hitler in the cinema, by way of yeah. like a you know like a Grindhouse movie or something, yeah, you know, do a um, slave B movie. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! yeah. So, yeah, anyways, um, that's it. But like again, there's there's got to be, and we talked about this a little bit some last time. Like, there's got to there's something about the film work about the, the the mechanics of why this film works that really works in Pulp Fiction and that's subconsciously the stuff that probably stood out to me Uh, I'm not necessarily as obsessed with the individual moments of like I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker motherfucker as I am with just like the some of the cinematic stuff that he's the guns of the Navarone yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the references in this fucking movie yeah no it's dense it's really dense it's so dense it is incredibly dense yeah and that's just like them talking about a reference, yeah. let alone what is he, you know, motifing or whatever. Stealing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what plots is he stealing or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Repurpose. Yeah. So I yeah, that's, that. that's Pulp Fiction basically. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Glad we got some more time to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my number 12 is the matrix. Oh, uh, I'll let you speak. Yeah, the matrix. So the matrix. So I, I've, I've, been doing lists for a while my first list it's kind of funny like how my lists have changed but they kind of stay the same um so mm. the earliest list i ever did was like 2000 i think eight and the matrix was number one and wow. memento was number two yeah i'm, I'm very much a neophyte to this yeah to like so to yeah, 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 the, yeah you know intellectualizing it to me like why do i love well, it you know? i for me like the minute i saw the matrix the minute i saw it it was the best thing i'd ever seen for me 
Like it, it was, it, it hit me in a way where I was like, I fucking love this movie on so many levels. I have one and, of those. Yeah. Yeah. The like, matrix, is, the matrix is like a ass hair away from being that movie for yeah. me. But yeah. you know, at the time I'm like 12. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I fuck it, dude. I, I take no shame in that. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a 12 year old boy. So it's like everything I'd ever want. Yeah. And, and, and never would have known I would have wanted. Um, yeah. So the matrix is like, I think the best way to understand the matrix is basically you take some, some people who are really into anime yeah, and they want to transpose anime with some kind of philosophy stuff and then do that. Well, they're really the into anime world. and philosophy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the matrix is a way to like marry those two things together and create while also doing an action blockbuster movie. Yeah. And it works on every level, every single like, level, mm-hmm. like the, the stuff they're doing that the anime stuff with the bullet time shit is amazing. Like, and, you know, it's, it's sort of, I think the closest thing that's come to something similar is what Zack Snyder did in 300 with like the, the way that they did the, the slow-mo uh, and the, the, the screen and shit. Yeah. Where it's like, you zoom, you zoom in and you see him kill someone. And you yeah, zoom yeah, out. yeah. 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 That's yeah. the closest thing. But like this, like what the Matrix did, super cinematic. Yeah. Um, and it just immediately became like a thing. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's like immediately cinematic. It's a technique that they invented for this movie that that like it's like how how was this not in movies before like this is so no what i love too okay so there's this uh, will smith did a fucking video where he talked about the meeting he had with the wachowskis and how they described to him what bullet time was and it's fucking hilarious hearing (laughs) him just yeah so like imagine a guy and like like he's getting shot by a bullet, but then he's like dodging the bullet, and you can see it all the way around. And most was like, "The fuck are you talking?" I don't, about? and I don't know if you've seen footage of the Wachowskis from back then because they're very private and they didn't do any interviews. But like, they're they they were fucking weird guys. Oh like yeah, they, they they were they 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 looked strange. Well, they, they looked they, like two two comic book like, people. Like they look from the store, like, right? Look yeah. from the store. Like yeah. when you're at the comic book shop, and like yeah. you'd see the two of them. Yeah, next to you, looking at the fucking you know. uh mangas or whatever yeah that's just what they looked like and that's so when, exactly you, have, when like. you have those fucking weirdos explaining this shit to you and you're will smith at the height of your fucking popularity uh yeah i get it yeah and there's no steven spielberg to tell you okay you really need to do because no yeah, one right. no one knew what the fuck was going on with that movie no one Dude. had any idea thank um, god they... for keanu reeves man thank god johnny mnemonic dude he gets it he does yeah. the shit <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, this movie is like unbelievable, and it's it just it really holds up to me. I saw they did last year. They did a uh, was it twenty year re release? Uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah. 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 I f- fucking. Oh, I, right. I, I feel like twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, just I, skip it. Yeah, yeah, it didn't happen. So they they re released it in Dolby, and they also did like a four K. I think that came out. They they did they did the four K came out a couple of years before that, I think. But yes. Uh, Anyway, so the the Dolby re-release is like unbelievable. That experience, like it was beautiful, beautiful, and the sound was so good. Yeah, I didn't was, get to see it. It was fucking awesome, man. Um, oh, yeah. There's just there's just so much about that they do so well, and unfortunately, they kind of don't do well in the sequels. But like that opening scene is 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 you know it's kind of again comparable to what they do in the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings is a little bit more expository, but this is like, it gives you everything. It gives you all the questions you're going to want to ask throughout the film. You know, there's some, we're seeing some fucking text on a screen and then 
we we cut to some woman and she's being arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then these guys show up and they're and she's like wearing all leather too. Yeah, she's fucking like, hot. Yeah. Um, and and then it's like the fucking men in black show up. It's like what? Um, you know, three white dudes wearing glasses. Well, she so goes. You- she goes into a phone booth. And she's about to be immediately crushed, and then she teleports away. Yeah, and yeah. Well, like, the other thing too, like again, so like we see her, she does the, the we see the bullet time thing where she fucking kicks a guy yeah, through, yeah, through, yeah, yeah. The crane through kick. a wall. It's like, uh, what? How does this person mm-hmm. have superpowers? Yeah. Um, and then she jumps thirty feet, forty feet from one building to another. Yeah, yeah. And then we see this, you know, the the men in black dude do the same thing, and the cops are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck? Oh, it's also that scene is really, really kind of cool. The way they shot that scene on the rooftops. Oh, um, yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff because there's like, I, I love how they create the Matrix world because it's literally a like Sim City kind of shit. Yeah. It's not our world. It's fucking yeah. Sim City. And there's all yeah. this weird stuff. Uh, very, it's very, you know, like the people inside of it probably wouldn't realize it, but it's, it's, super generic everything is super yeah. generic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and like she's running and there's just like this they run this massive poster for like a gun shop yeah it's like, it's literally yeah it's literally a video game like i That's i have fuzzy. a lot more yeah. i have a lot more like invested in this and i've i've done a lot of, i've studied this movie extensively i'm obsessed with this movie it's very near and dear to me and it's very high on my list but like yeah you're right the way they construct it's like that's what video game cities looked like in the nineties. Like it was just that generic, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it's all on purpose, they're pulling right? they're exactly. They're pulling from all of these things. It's so smart. And yeah. And, it, and that's something that we can talk about now, but way over people's heads, way yeah, the no fuck over people's clue. heads. Yeah, no. yeah. Because they yeah. were like internet people from this time. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and they so were... <laughs> but like no fucking executive understood the internet. No. 1998 or whatever yeah. they were like pitching this movie they're like the fuck mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah and like or, or yeah. if they did again they they had those they had hackers and they had johnny mnemonic and they had some of these really really fucking dog shit like dog shit, dog shit like movie versions yeah. of these things yeah, or like, like all, all any cyberpunk movie in the 90s is just dog shit i'm sorry you may you you, you could love it as dog shit, but they're all dog shit until the matrix <laughs> except for maybe dark city dark city is probably like the best one but yeah yeah, and that's and that's a new noir film, right? <laughs> Actually, it's a it's right. literally a noir movie. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, it's still set in the future, and there's you know AI yeah. and shit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I yeah, just like the minute I saw this movie, I just like fell in love with it because like the action is so good, and like the storytelling they do in this movie is so fucking good. Like they're really like I don't think they did a better like I I really uh, the other day I was I was rewatching um Cloud Atlas and I was like oh I oh, really boy. fucking love this movie. um yeah. but like this this film really they nail all the stuff that they need to nail to like really get us to understand it while also like paying off making this an action you know fucking manga film um cuz that's what they're trying to do is like yeah, yeah. I want to do some shit where people are on wires fighting and like yeah. you know have have our two characters get into a Mexican standoff there's another there's another influence, you know, there's, there's all those like Hong Kong movies. Whoop. Here they are. Yep. John yep. Wu. Here he yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is how you, this is how you like take that stuff and you put it into an American context. Yeah. Um, Boy, yeah, am I just, glad it worked. Yeah, I am too. Like <laughs> I, I love this movie and there's just so much. Yeah. So much cool. Shit. And it, again, it's a rated R actually. I, I mean, I don't know if like this movie should really be R. 
it's not it's not it's, very it's heavy not a hard with the stuff. It's, no. it's not Mel Gibson, right? No, it's not. It's not payback. Which kind of pisses me off because of the fucking and MPA. It like and it's stupid shit. It's like when he gets into a fight with with uh when he gets into a fight with Agent Smith and he spits up blood. That's why it's, an yeah, it's that's like, why cor- correct. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Or when he gets shot in the chest and you see the he blood. gets exactly yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's always um, it's I always the, the the MPAA is always the villain. <laughs> if yeah. we've learned anything. Um, but yeah, like what like the first time I saw like that ending when he gets shot and he's he's dead. And you're like the fuck. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, like you know, the whole thing of Trinity is like, no, I love you, 